Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse, the fifth column. Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle of people that make it and occasionally ourselves. I'm Camille Foster and I mean, I, I think everything is fine. I think this is fine. Everything is fine. I do various things at Freethink. Um, I, I, I was away. I had to go to a thing in Denver. Uh, I'm back now and I am in, in my house recording. Um, Michael Moynihan of Vice News is in New York. He's recording in a room with Matt Welch, Reason Magazine, who's wearing a real time with Bill Maher shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Fifth Column hat. Gentlemen, I, I can see you. I can see I you think over the you internet. Only, you only have Bill Maher clothes. I, it's, <laughs> By been, way. it's been a while since I made a, what do you call those? A purchase? <laughs> yeah. Just maybe go to the mall or something. Are there malls still? Uh, are, you wearing, are you wearing cargo shorts, Matt? Uh, of course. I mean, is that, what the? <laughs> I, love, I love that you asked that, like thinking there was an answer other than "of course." Yeah, it's <laughs> it's June in New York City. Yeah, yeah there's no, other kinds of shorts. shorts. That's right. Like the Camille's objection isn't to shorts; it's the type of shorts. You honestly, you look like Dennis Hopper at the end of a apocalypse. Night. You're like a fucking cameras in them. And Listen, when you're as successful a dad as I am, you really yeah. have to wear like dad shorts. To, that that's going? true. To seal the deal uh, i just want to to answer morning <laughs> question of how that's going yeah. obliquely uh yeah. i just want to give a pre-game shout out to a birthday girl um the day that this comes out which is tomorrow which would be thursday june 16th and she's gonna be mad that i say this uh it's my wife's birthday oh it is hey. uh, she's oh, a supporter of the podcast both financially and uh, psychically, not every spouse necessarily in the world is going to be thrilled by such activities mm. by their significant others. I don't think anyone in my life currently or in the past has ever listened to the podcast. Um, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> your, brother, your brother never has. No, uh, well, that's, I mean, I, that's Joanna, the Joanna came to the live show and she loved it. Yeah, yeah because it was, there was booze the there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's a fucking alcoholic. And she was like, oh, there's booze? Maybe I can get a comp because I know those guys. It turns out that wasn't true. So she had to pay for the booze. Oh, that's pretty oh, funny. Gosh. Actually, Emmanuel yeah, like, could, wasn't on any lists back. at all. At the, at you the, didn't put her on the list? I, I thought that I, I wow. gave the information to the people that I thought would be able to do that. But uh, she She's had- my ex-wife. When I, I'm like fucking Schindler. I got, she was on the list. I made sure she was on the list. I'm the Oscar Schindler of, of, of the, the comedy show. So my happy birthday to my wife, who I, I, I failed to successfully get on the list uh, at the live show. Um, it's been a, uh, it's, it, this is a big birthday for her. She is, uh, finally, uh, legal. So she turned oh, cool. 18 after yeah. all these years, nice. uh, which is great. Uh, but like in, uh, in, in happier, less challenging circumstances, um, there'd be, uh, more, uh, fireworks, let's say. Um, and, uh, I feel badly about that and just want to wish her happy birthday. It's not, uh, it's not easy. Uh, uh, being green and, uh, and, and being you know, married to you, being married to me and, you know, yeah. raising children in challenging circumstances. Yeah. 
that's, that's quite a that's, euphemism. That's uh, yeah. yeah. That's as much teeth clenching as I'm going to do at the moment. Um, There's yeah. a lot of jokes I want to make, but I'm gonna bit avoid them. bit rough. Yeah. yeah just, just same for them. the same for the, yeah, I'll uh, save them members for the, only. Yeah, the members only one. You gotta you got yeah. That's that's quite an incentive. You gotta sign up and pay us money to hear me make fun of Matt's children. <laughs> oh lord we still have to the next time uh, uh camille brings the family out for it we do kind of an annual east egg uh gather around some cute pictures i don't know if we did it last year though what was camille out in east egg last year no no i didn't well we didn't invite you that time yeah that's, that's right. probably what wait, happened wait, wait, i don't you, it's like a there... country club thing at this point right you don't allow people <laughs> no, beyond we, we, it's like a paper bag test to get hey into man, uh i don't make the rules backyard <laughs> i don't make the rules i just follow right. them yeah, yeah. No, it's a town rule what it's am i covenant. gonna say that's what it is it's, it's a restrictive a covenant. covenant on barbecues yeah. It's amazing. You're all talking about redlining all the time. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Yeah, They're like, just, I know. here's who yeah. shouldn't come to the house. And they give me a whole list. <laughs> right. Millions, it's, millions of people, yeah. actually. It's only fair. It's only yeah. fair. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Uh, you don't want to ruin the neighborhood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have to say that I have more black friends there than I do in the city. That's so. exactly what we would expect you to yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I hear I was reading something today where um, I was reading a... Well, I won't say exactly what it was, but yeah. uh, there was a bit in it that was like, if you ever, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, like if you ever say you have a black friend, like just even acknowledging that some of your friends are black, it is clearly that, that you are amazingly racist, which is, a, is it, I don't really understand it because I know like, I don't know any racist, but like, I know historically some racists, they didn't have a lot of black friends. <laughs> so it seems to me like a fair, a fair defense. If like, you know, you have a lot of black friends to mention that. It's not the saying as a defense, but mentioning- There, there is a he doth protest too no, much. No, but it is, it is the, the, the <laughs> argument is that saying that like, I don't see color. Yeah. This was the other thing in the same, yeah. in the same thing. Saying I don't see color or the saying that you have black friends basically meant that you supported apartheid. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't I get, mean, even I'm, even I'm suspicious of people who say things like that. Just, just well, no, they're you're just an abolitionist. Yeah, but it's they're tainted. They're, it's yeah, tainted. but they're losers. They're not racists. <laughs> I think that's different. Because anyone's going to say that is like oh, some Lord. of my best friends are black. Well, yeah, really? I, see, I is think that, right? that happens more in debates about this stuff than it actually happens in real life. I think it happened in the eighties. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I've, I've, I haven't heard that in maybe twenty five years. I think when you're when you're on your heels and you're not actually guilty. Um, the appropriate response to someone calling you a racist is fuck off. Yeah. That's what you say. Is it anti-racist, by the way, if I say none of my friends are black? <laughs> the opposite? <laughs> if you say the opposite, it's like, that's that's honest. And Ibram X. Candy loves you for it. You say white, white people and black people can't actually be friends. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Ibram yeah. X. Candy yeah. position. Yeah. We, we've they tried it. Really. We've tried it doesn't work. Yeah, uh, white people can't fully respect <laughs> black people. So the most you can do is just actually acknowledge your implicit internalized racism, which you'll never quite overcome uh, on account of the privilege that you enjoy. I think I think that has entered, and I talked about this at lunch today with some friends, that has entered uh, the kind of lexicon of things that don't really happen, but people talk about happening all the time. My latest one of this, and, and this is going to be maybe a controversial one, is the idea that you see repeated ad infinitum that like the entire internet was on Johnny Depp's side, 
which I don't think is true looking through stuff. Oh, uh, really? You don't think it's true? No, no, I don't think it's true at all. I think that it was a normal amount of people that said, yeah, you know, the tapes of her like beating him up and stuff and saying like, yeah, I beat your ass and I'll do it again or whatever she said. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It was so shocking that anyone would be on the other side of what you know, in the past would be considered like a Me Too issue, that it took on this thing of like, everyone's against her. Everyone is against her because they were so surprised that this thing happened. And the reason that happened is, you know, not only the the sort of existing evidence and stuff, it's just that he's a celebrity and like, they like the pirate movies or whatever. It's like the Michael Jackson trial. There's all these people out there like screaming for Michael when I was like, yeah, but what about the whole kid fucking thing? Do you think that's bad? (laughs) Like Michael (laughs) screaming like they love off the wall. It's like, I do too, but I'm also, you can love off the wall and hate. Did it, we figure it, out it, where, where where Jacko fits in your um, they're actually all guilty uh, framework? Morning, uh, Camille and I agree on this one. I think that Jacko might have gotten a bad rap. Yeah, I don't. I was going to say a bum rap, but that MJ innocent, MJ innocent, something else. Yeah, MJ innocent. I almost yeah. let them almost let them fool me, but uh, yeah, he yeah. could have never hurt them kids. He could have never but, hurt them kids. Blanket. By the way, yeah. every time I go into a store, like MJ's still playing. He hasn't. Yeah, you can't get you can't get fucking Louis shit on HBO Max, but MJ's in every store. No, it's graduation season here in New York. Uh, Levi graduated today from elementary school. She graduated. I saw that. That was very sweet. Did you go to graduation? Of course I did. Deadbeat dad. Yeah, I'm just kidding. You're not deadbeat dad. I was a a few minutes late, but I couldn't find parking. (laughs) (laughs) I can just imagine Moynihan just fucking rage cussing. Dude, I was like literally like one. (laughs) I was like one and a half minutes late. I like. I think I got a red light camera ticket because I sped. I was just trying to get there, and I was like a a minute, maybe two minutes late. And I walked in, and Levi just turned around and like rolled her eyes at me. Oh "Oh, yes. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ, I got to be here early? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. I'm here. Uh, but did they play any Michael Jackson songs is my uh, question. Because no, I, they I've did heard a, a lot uh, at, at graduation things. Not this year, but in previous years. Just like, oh, okay. This thing with kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the celebration with kids. Yeah. We're doing the Michael. And like, yeah, because they're great songs. Yeah. No, they, they um, well, there is something maybe mildly controversial about it. They sang, they got up on stage, all of them, oh. and sang um, You've Got a Friend, the Carol King song, who is mm-hmm. also the woman who wrote the song, He Hit Me and It Felt Like a Kiss. Mm-hmm. So if you want to find controversy in life, you'll always find it. And Carol King wrote a pro-spousal abuse song. Uh, Which is a much better song than You've Got a Friend. Oh my God, it's an amazing song. It's fantastic. I mean, the lyrics are fucking crazy. It's but- rough. But it's, there's like the haunting bass line, the boom, yeah, boom, yeah. boom, boom, that's great. Wait, Carol King's You Got a Friend, that's the original one? Uh, she wrote it, and it's on Tapestry. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh. So, but but there's there's a James Taylor version. James Taylor on Tapestry is singing backing vocals. Donny Hathaway and Roberta Flack did a cover of it, for sure. Roberta Flack did? I guess Roberta did, Flack yeah. and Donny together. Really? Yeah. Well, I wonder if that charted. <laughs> um, it, it may not <laughs> have, but it's but it's wonderful. <laughs> My daughter and I do a duet of that. Actually, in the other day, we did it with uh, with Cohen in the room, and it was it was very nice. It was touching. You, did, you you got a friend? Yeah. What did Cohen say? He just sort of sat there. I think he probably shot himself midway through. He was like, "Why are you singing this song? I can't stand it." <laughs> it's typical. He, smi- he smiles. He smiles through it though. He does now. He's just great. He's just great. It's putting on, putting on the pounds, getting longer. Um, yeah. I, I similarly uh, had a had a weird public um, rage moment in that Uh-oh. I was traveling through the uh, the Denver airport, 
which I've decided is among the worst airports in America. Uh, absolutely. The previous it's one's Stapleton Airport was even worse. So yeah, it's, well, it's it just, not a it lot may, better. Maybe enough for me to never travel to Denver again. I don't mind Denver, but that airport is not acceptable. And that TSA agent, <laughs> it was just bad. Uh-oh. It was a bad sign. So I apologize if you heard me screaming at him in the Denver uh, airport. Are you still giving the speeches, Camille? Giving the speeches? At TSA agents. Oh, no, no. Not giving the speeches. No. No, I just want my stuff. I mean, I'm going through clear with the TSA pre-check. This shouldn't be an issue. And you're making it that's an issue. Double, that's double confirmation. Mm. Sir, can I, sir, can I see your boarding pass? Are you kidding me? You see my clear, boarding clear, pass? You don't need the boarding pass. With you just went through my. You just went through my DOP case and you took mm. out my oh, things. You oh. got everything all mixed up. Are you kidding me? Oh no! You, I, mm. I'll, I'll show you where the bombs are located, but you, I will not show you my boarding pass. Give me my bag. Why do you think that they did this? <laughs> you have some theories. Do you have any theories about why you think they did this? Because I I was so swagtastic and I I was obviously annoyed with him because he was just taking a long time. So mm-hmm. that's that's probably what it was. Yeah, just flexing a little bit. Um, But yeah, no, I was out there for the uh, Heterodox (laughs) Academy conference, uh, which I which I went to, which uh, there were a lot of good people there. It was interesting and great. And we we shot some stuff there. And I'm not exactly sure how it will come out. But I will say this. I finally had an opportunity to settle an old score with John McWhorter and Glenn Lowry. Finally. Were you settling? Was it score <laughs> settling? I mean, that sounds really it's like score like, settling. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, score settling. I mean, I, I, listen, I enjoyed yeah. it. I, and I, I listened to their podcast once, and they did. Did yeah. they do you wrong? No, really? I listened to their podcast one time, and they they mentioned Camille's race abolitionism, and they both said, "No, no, no that's not. We yeah. can't get on board with that." So that's no, the, and, and John, no, and they were they were they were pretty polite about it. Um, and John, he dissented for pragmatic reasons and said I was right. He also said Camille is um, too too brilliant and too brave for me, <laughs> something along those lines. Yeah. And he mm. referred to me as a genius, all those things. So I, you know, again, those are things that me and Moynihan don't say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. you <laughs> should, you should say, yeah. but you yeah. don't say. Yeah. It's yeah, all true funny. facts. Obviously, yeah. John McWhorter said it. If there's ever a book, those are the, those are the blurbs that are going on the book. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, That's, right after this happened, he came up to Camille and asked him if he could borrow a hundred bucks. I like, dude, I'm fucking skint. I just don't have rent money. Uh, but, we, um, but we finally, but we finally had a had an opportunity to 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 have that have that. Wait, so this was recorded and people can yeah, hear this. This is recorded and people will be able to hear it when it's on Glenn's released. thing. No, it's not exactly clear how it will be released. This is hmm. this is something. Maybe something, you know any podcast that could yeah, like find it, a way to. Well, that's just it. It's it was yeah, shot. It was shot by by someone and paid uh-huh. for by someone. I do do various things at a place occasionally. Mm-hmm. It, it may belong to them, but hopefully you'll see that in the next week and a half or so. It was great, and I talked to a bunch of other people in, uh, as well, and and it was it was a lot of fun. A lot of smart people there. Katie and uh, Jesse did a live show there as mm-hmm. well. Katie Herzog and Jesse Single. Yeah, I, I caught it? like half of it. I know we got mentioned. So did they, did they have uh, was Colin Quinn on? Or did they get him on? <laughs> <laughs> did they talk about how you were a genius? How did they? How did you know they, what? they they didn't? But they said that the fifth column inspired them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what else can we say except, yeah, except obviously. that we knew that. <laughs> yeah, that's obviously, nice, obviously, I love them too, though. No, they're great. Um, but I, we I, should, I, but we should talk about like things that are happening in the world because there are things happening in the world. The Fed is raising interest rates like um, in order to, to combat inflation, which is weird because this is Putin's price hike, and this is not yeah. inflation. We could never have inflation. 
um, but except we do like lots Ooh. of inflation. So much. Um, so the Fed is raising so uh, raising rates and promising to raise rates again at the next meeting. Um, although it's not really clear that they're actually committed to this, and and it's all the biggest like, increase up. since 1994, and it's like a midweek, like whoops, this yeah. is not scheduled. <laughs> oh uh, just quickly, how y'all's uh, crypto going? Y'all's crypto is Moynihan's. I, I remember Moynihan. Remember Doing that one episode great. where I said, where <laughs> yeah. I said we're waiting. Yeah. We have to wait. We have to yeah. wait for it to retreat. It's going to yeah. pull back. No, and you but, were like, no, 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 no. hold on, hold on. No, no, no. I think it was around like fourteen thousand. This is. 000, we have right? to have like closer. a January sixth type uh, commission, <laughs> yeah. blue ribbon commission, to knock down this fake news. Camille, Camille was like, I, I was like, by now it's like, yeah. and he's like nineteen thousand, dude. That's it was right. up. It was, but it was up at sixty-two thousand for like a year and a half. <laughs> you could have just got out. You sold it like most smart people did. No, I sold. No, I, I sold a lot of mine. I, I told you he's going to pull back. I did yeah. tell you. Yeah, but I you didn't, didn't tell me he was going to pull back in like two years. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like Nostradamus there, like, here, here's what's going to happen. Eventually. No, I, I, I sold a lot at uh, opportune times, and uh, yeah. I am not... I am not exposed in the way you might uh, think I am. Now, my my stuff, my other stuff, you know, 401k market stuff is, is uh, really just... Oh, my God. It's yeah. taking a... It's, it's, it's fucking... It's getting beaten. Don't look. Play long term. Buster Douglas yeah. after Mike Tyson. That's what's happening right now. It's getting beaten bad. Yeah. So, yeah. No, no, I don't. I'm just, I'm just psyched that you motherfuckers are going to see for the first time in your living memory. I forget when you can remember things, Moynihan. Um, but, <laughs> I don't remember, like, what happened three days ago. So, I don't uh, know. But, like, you, do you remember John Lennon getting shot? Or is that, I like... do. Yeah, I remember the okay. football game. I remember it was, it was during right, Saturday Night Football, yeah. It this was, just it was a, it was a, how it goes. It was a Patriots yeah. game too. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're yeah. probably mm. there. Um, Pretty sure it was Patriots game because we would be watching that. Yeah. I remember stagflation, and we're mm -hmm. gonna have it. We're gonna have it. It's not now, but sometime soon. The economy is going to be stagnant, and we are going to have stagflation. You're an That's... you're an optimist. We might have hyperinflation. It's, oh, it's, it's what's news. up, Austrian economist? Oh, guy over there, wheelbarrows. Know, and... I don't know what's coming. It's just it's bad out there. Uh, it was the Patriots sucked. Dolphins, by the way. Just say no, uh, no. On, on ABC the night. Steve Grogan versus uh, the uh, might have been husk of Brian Greasy. It might have been pre-Grogan. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe pre-Grogan pre isn't a euphemism that we should all <laughs> yeah. use. <laughs> yeah, John Hanna was definitely there hanging out. But but of course, while we're also we're we're concerned about the economy, we're also concerned about other issues. Uh, Kim Kardashian apparently wore uh, Marilyn Monroe's dress oh, yeah, to the Met Gala and and ruined it. It ruined it. it. Oh really? Yeah, Biden. she like gave a blowjob and then they videoed it. <laughs> hey, and it was like, hey, what? What? Hey, I she mean, did, she didn't that, do that. <laughs> that ass could not fit in Maryland's. Thing. No, they they Whoa, did alter it. it. Did fit. Thank you. Uh, very no, they, much. I, Maryland I, didn't no, have no, an no, ass I like think, that. I think there was an alteration. There weren't asses like that no, no, back no, no, then. No. She was. That's, she had quite an hour. No, no, it's yeah, fine. But there just, weren't yeah. asses like that. No, 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 no. I don't I mean, think there's asses like that now. Maryland was kind of packing things. She's packing, but like that's different. She wasn't grafting. Is what I'm saying. Well, I, I love I love the transition, by the way. That like I know the economy is bad, but there's other things to talk about. <laughs> Important. Well, Kim was, Kardashian was a, that was a bit enormous ass. That was supposed to be the gag topic. I was I was no, actually no, going no. to mention the January sixth hearings, which are still continuing. <laughs> I want to there's, see that transition been, to it. <laughs> yeah, there's been two of those. Um, there was supposed to be another one today, but that one was canceled, and there will be one tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, and I, I know we've been tracking some of that. And Matt, I remember seeing on the night of the of the first hearing, the prime time hearing, yeah, tweets from uh, seeing a tweet from you, Matt, saying that you weren't going to watch, but you I did wasn't. watch. I did, and you're glad that you did. Yeah, it I was changed uh, your life. Uh, I didn't say changed my life. Once again, your you streak in in uh, you know preemptively uh, derisive sarcasm is <laughs> it's not oh, derisive oh, sarcasm. For a million. It's just sarcasm. Um, it's just sarcasm. It, uh, no, I was uh, I was uh, genuinely moved by it in ways that I didn't expect. Granted, I'm in a hotel room by myself, so that means either <laughs> one of two things, and the second one yeah. is very emotional. Uh, so like, it's like flying for me, you know. Like this is when I cry at a movie, yeah. so like I'm 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 in a vulnerable spot watching it. Uh, no, I was really surprised by uh, how after the initial uh, presentation by what's his face, um, would, who I didn't find particularly impressive, but Liz Cheney, I thought did a really great job. Like it was a, they had a bunch of neocon. Uh, <laughs> that's obviously means that I want to preemptively invade countries yeah. because I think that she marshaled evidence in a case about um, uh, an awful uh, thing that happened. Uh, no, they used a ton of evidence and they, presented it in a way that was stirring and and just awful and um, and convincing not necessarily of uh, like you know some kind of criminal set of charges and actually I think it's a good thing that they've been de-emphasizing that this is the purpose of the committee. Um, but like, well, like, she has. Has everyone else been de-emphasizing that this is uh, the road to a prosecution? I mean, I think there's a lot of fan, you know, fan MSNBCing going on uh, yeah. based on that. But uh, all and I, you know, I haven't been following news in general very closely over the past 72 hours. I should uh, 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 rush to say, but um, that they the committee itself has been saying this is not leading to prosecutions or of especially of Donald Trump. This is a uh, it's more of an informational exercise. Well, the the intellectual or the kind of uh, ideological political way of, of of responding to that, which I think is good news, is that, well, they've had a ton of prosecutorial power that led them to get this information out there. And that I feel a lot more queasy about, uh, especially the use of seditious conspiracy charges against the yep. Oath Keepers and, uh, and the Proud Boys. Yep. Um, that said, uh, I feel more that the activities of the Oath Keepers and, you know, I'm a, I'm being manipulated by the best, uh, you know, sort of first. <laughs> no, it, it's like it's it's the opening argument of the prosecution and yeah. they have a ton of subpoena power and they they decided not to do the usual clown show speechifying and just kind of laid shit out as they have it. And it's their best case argument. Um, and it was, and, you know, showing video that they hadn't seen before testimony and also some little shiv in the ribs testimony there too. Um, you know, there's no reason really to show um, Ivana Trump or uh, what's Ivanka. his face? Get Ivanka, her name, whatever. Say her name. Say her name. <laughs> uh, and Jared uh, Tushner. Um, uh, <laughs> but fine. like they knew that it was going to piss off Trump and also yeah. sort of like and also and also create doubt in in Trump world a little bit. Right. Like people who were sort of. Um, let's say, open to the interpretations that uh, that Trump and and people were giving um, that sort of like caused doubt. So it was a bit gratuitous, but it's also a kind of a strategic. Um, but anyways, I just like watching that as, a, you know, you, Camille, who spent 
all that week badgering me and Moynihan to get excited about this thing that we hadn't it wasn't did. that it hadn't happened. And you buggered off after the first fucking five minutes of this. Yeah, but I went like, back oh, I'm bored. Later. I don't I don't want to watch this shit. <laughs> I, I, Dude, I won, you I was made watching, us talk. You made us try yeah. to care about this ahead of time. I did, and I even I, said I and it. I even I said I'm not going to watch this shit. I didn't watch it live because I wanted to I think to you didn't want to watch it live because boys. you didn't want to see the truth, which is that it really <laughs> fucking sucked. What happened on January 6th really fucking sucked. Donald Trump did the Donald Trump did the thing of like, who will rid me of these meddlesome priests? And he did it for fucking two months. And there was a some element of that that was, I think, organized and coordinated for the purposes of something that was never going to work. Well, but you didn't, for you didn't watch the second. You didn't watch the second That's true. day, did you? So okay. I was responding to your question about the first day that was my impression of day one day two i've only seen like a couple of uh of their propaganda video uh, video yeah. tweets so how did how did day two go for you from your point of view well well let me let's stick with day one for a moment and let's stick with your preposterous assertion that i don't think january 6th was bad i think it was bad i think it was odious um, and i think the principal thing that i learned um from watching the first day since even the the things that were unreleased uh, beforehand were pretty much just video of things that had been leaked and published in some other context, or at least were revealed beforehand. So we knew- So it was a packaging, yeah. Yeah, we knew most of these things because they've been kind of strategically leaking it all along the way. But the, the principal thing that I learned was that when something genuinely awful happens and it is kind of politically advantageous to you, in a context where there can be no cross-examination or argument, no overstatement is too great. <laughs> in service of underscoring how bad the thing is and how awful the other team is, you can get away with saying absolutely anything. And there, there was limited speechifying, uh, Matt, but every opportunity they had to put it into context was the assertion that there is this kind of broader far-reaching conspiracy um, and that there is um, obvious evidence that is going to be brought to bear that will clearly show um, and it just it just isn't there the seven part plan right? yeah and and, 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 and the seven parts was were elucidated by Liz Cheney like, yeah I, I, maybe it, there's going to be a thing with seven parts that comes from whoever the fuck was doing their legal strategy yeah, back in the day, I don't think so sure. um, yeah. I, I just can't see it if anything I'll say this that that day two is probably what they should have gone with for day one so far as I'm concerned but it probably doesn't make the point that they would like it to make. I mean, you watch um, day two, which is pretty much like, when did what did Donald Trump know and when did he know it? Um, not so much about the assault, but specifically about the election. Did he actually know that he had lost the election? Or was he and, bullshitting and, and yeah. raising money off of it? And right. the parade of, of Trump officials and Trump campaign confidants and employees and lawyers who were showing up in the testimony saying, yeah, I like tried to talk to him, but he was a psychopath. He kept citing like all of these sources and he was giving me these documents and I'm like telling him this is absolute bullshit. In fact, Barr, um, <laughs> that was one of the things that I, I've, I've never been so thoroughly persuaded about Donald Trump's utter incompetence and stupidity <laughs> and, and the fact that he's like a genuine believer in conspiracy theories. If not, if not, it's hard for me to believe that he didn't actually believe these things, which is not an excuse at all. It's not remotely exculpatory. Like 
it's like kind crazy. of the opposite. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. crazy. Bob Barr said, you know, I thought I could finally get through to him. And he hands me this insane document that is supposed to show all of the various uh, kind of scheming that was being done with the election machines. And he was like, I don't know where he found this document. Like nothing about it was official. And and he's talking and I'm flipping through the document and just becoming increasingly despondent because I know that there was no getting through to this man. And I was somewhat demoralized because I thought, boy, if he really believes this stuff, he has, you know, lost contact with uh, with uh, he's become detached from reality. Before the election, it was possible to talk sense to the president. Uh, and while you sometimes had to uh, engage in, uh, you know, a big wrestling match with him, uh, that it was possible to keep things on track. But I was uh, felt that after the election, he didn't seem to be listening. And I didn't think it was, uh, uh, you know, that I that I was inclined not to stay around if he wasn't listening to advice from me or his other cabinet secretaries. And- it just kept happening over and over again. Like the video of his son-in-law being asked, well, did you, um, I actually think this was only audio, but it's like, uh, did you tell him what you thought of Rudy Giuliani? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How did president Trump react when you shared that view with him? No, we said, you know, I, I, I have confidence in Rudy. I actually, for some reason, had just seen video of him doing the 9-11 commission testimony back in like 2004. It was just a totally different Rudy Giuliani. Who could have predicted like from there to the Four Seasons um, landscaping, (laughs) like dripping dye on your face? Like what a disaster. If you could choose between dying in 9-11 and having that become you. Like a few decades later, wow. I would probably take dying in 9-11 because then at least you could be a fucking hero. Like the last thing I'll say about the second day is that it ends with how the Trump administration or the Trump campaign and Donald Trump himself were using the lies about the election to fleece his supporters for money. There's something like particularly crass about the like last minute cash grab on your way out the door. But again, what I haven't seen any evidence of is Donald Trump explicitly directing, coordinating an act of violence on January 6th. I do see dereliction of duty. I do see um, ignoring the constant calls for him to do something about it in the moment. And all of that is egregious and contemptible. And as I've said in the past, there are at least two occasions where Donald Trump ought to have, could have been, should have been impeached, and the opportunity was there to do it. And not only would I prefer to not have him run again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't begrudge them doing something about it. But I will say about the commission itself, like they had an opportunity to do something bipartisan, and they had an opportunity to do something that would perhaps help to enhance the credibility of the electoral process and to, to maybe give people who are doubtful, who might be persuadable, a little bit more confidence in the outcome of the election. They haven't really tried to do that in my estimation. As I've said before in other contexts, and I know people don't like it, some people don't like it anyways, other people are bright and they, they understand that I'm right about this. I think it is a, a profound error not to pay attention to the fact that, that we've had endured months and months of civil unrest and political violence 
that was emanating from the left and the right, and that January 6th seemed to me not merely the culmination of a big lie, but the the kind of crescendo of political and social unraveling on the left and right and people finding ways to justify egregious acts of political violence, which again, doesn't excuse anything and doesn't excuse anyone, but it does give you a, an important sense of what happened. I think it's, I think it's relevant that on like May 31st of 2020, the president of the United States is um, spirited into a bunker in the White House because the White House is surrounded by protesters who are like breaching barricades nearby and that this goes on for multiple days and that there are American citizens surrounding the building, screaming all sorts of expletives, throwing rocks and stuff. And in some instances, calling for the president's head. That's where I, we I, were. And we don't yeah, really yeah. talk about it. And Look, the next I, day, the next day, um, Kamala Harris was posting on Twitter, we should open up bail funds for the for the people of Minneapolis who've been unfairly arrested. Like some of them were bad people doing bad shit. The, the mostly peaceful euf euphemism is one of the most deplorable inventions of um, the, the media of, of the last couple of years. And there have been a there have been a couple doozies. So I mean, I mean, I was, sorry, I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again, but. If you are the type of person, and there are plenty of them out there, and all of you listening know these people, you've heard it a million times, that talk about the atmosphere of violence, right? The atmosphere is necessary for the precipitation of violence mm -hmm. from one side or another. You cannot say that a year that led up to this that was extraordinarily violent. Mm -hmm. And now you can say, well, they're not trying to overthrow an election. Sure. I'm not saying it's the exact same thing. But if you are talking about atmospheres of violence, you do have to consider these things. But we, as we've seen with the person who tried to kill Brett Kavanaugh, and of course, none of us know his name because it's not talked about at all. And he was on his street with a gun and zip ties and told the police that he wanted to do so because of Roe v. Wade. And I think like school shootings, which is hilarious that he has a gun. Do you remember when zip ties were really, yeah, this really is zip scary? Yes, yeah. which were picked up off a police officer at the time, because that was inferred that they were going to take uh, prisoners and just execute them on capital grounds. On January 6th. Yeah, on January 6th, uh, despite the fact that, you know, we had no evidence of that and there was nobody that was arrested with a weapon within, uh, you know, capital grounds either. And you don't have to do the throat clearing every time and say, I think this is bad. Anyone who listens to this podcast enough knows that we all think this is terrible. I was totally stunned watching and being just being reminded of that nine, 10 minute video that opened uh, the first day yeah. of hearings and how just totally frightening that was that these, it's a small number of people, but you can always get a small number of people to, to perpetrate that type of thing. And, but the, 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 obviously the interesting and the issue here is, was it stoked and precipitated by Donald Trump? I mean, you know, violence is a pretty easily, easy thing to stoke in a political context. But yeah, I mean, that stuff that happened, it is amazing to me that people just truly don't want to confront what it was because they were people on their own side. And, to, you know, the, the, again, the Kavanaugh thing is really stunning to me, truly stunning. Mm. I mean, I've seen I have seen mm -hmm. outlets that have done nothing on it. I can find nothing. Um, nobody knows the guy's name. Uh, this was not in a planning stage. This was not somebody 
who said something on 4chan or 8chan or one of these chans. Or like impelled by the FBI. and Yeah, or yeah, trapped into like a Michigan kind of thing of like provoked by people. He was there and he was caught. And hmm. when we talk, this is why nobody takes the media seriously, right? Is that, you know, the, the, the oxygen given to January 6th has been, in my own estimation, uh, pretty disproportionate at times, particularly the language that is used. It was democracy under threat. It was the end of American democracy. This was very, very close. We were on the precipice. None of that is true. They were lunatics that were provoked by a lunatic president. And the latter point there is the most important one. The fact they're lunatics, again, doesn't surprise me. But when you ignore and you do the mostly peaceful thing and you see the people's, you know, places were burned down, there were people, there's no one killed on January 6th in the context other than the woman who was shot by the cop. And I don't, I don't really fault the police officer in that, in that, I mean, I'll get probably some hate mail for this, but it's like, there are people charging at you into the seat of American government saying that we cannot allow this election to stand. And one can understand uh, how a cop would be a little kind of skittish in a situation like that. Should it have happened? I don't know. I haven't looked at it in that in that kind of detail. But I can tell you that there were people killed in all of the uprisings that, that, uh, that uh, happened as a response to George Floyd, including a police officer, a black police officer. Was, I can't remember, it was in St. Louis, I think he was, he was shot and killed. There mm -hmm. were two young people killed in Chaz or Chaps or whatever the fuck it was in right. Seattle, who were killed, were, were I think also Chaz, young- Chaz and Chop. Ch Chaz and Chop, yeah. yeah. It's like it just sounds like a, like a like a sixties folk band. Chaz and Chop. <laughs> That's like I don't know, man. Guy Frieri. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, fucking Chaz and Chop. But they were, I think they were like young black kids, right? That were shot in. I I don't. So all of this violence to actually not confront that because it was righteous violence. I mean, everything about that and the reaction to it exposed. Like, we don't need the kind of exposition of this on the right, because there's so much of it talked about on MSNBC and in the media. And it's just, I mean, particularly where we live, we hear about it all the time. Mm. And a lot of it's correct and a lot of it's overstated. But the fact that this stuff was happening and everyone kind of backed away from it and didn't really say much about it in the long run bothers me. And it just really exposes what is terrible about the American media is that it truly is kind of, you know, rooting for one side. It was the righteous anger. This is what I, I mean. Imagine think about what we talked about many times in the show before about the protests and, and, and COVID. And this is full lockdown period. Mass, don't leave your house. And it was like, actually, racism is also a public health issue. And that was literally said. By multiple people who were yeah, supposedly a, serious people. Epidemiologists came out with a statement yes. at the time saying- I think it was signed by multiple people too yeah. and said, no, 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 we have to, like all the things we're telling you to do, actually don't worry about it because this is actually more important. That kind of mentality that you saw in the media is amazingly troubling. And it's a troubling in the sense that if you want to know why people lose confidence in the media, all you have to do is say- what happened to the guy that tried to kill Brett Kavanaugh? Because what is the message that you get from that? It is that they don't really care that somebody tried to kill Brett Kavanaugh. 
because Brett Kavanaugh is a bad guy. And I have to say, was treated rather shabbily during his during his hearing. Right. And we saw another fissure right there between sort of, you know, people who were like, wait, is it fair to call him these names and to really, really attack him and to say, well, it's the Supreme Court and it's the highest court. And OK, fine. And you, you can agree to that to a certain extent. And then when somebody tries to kill him and imagine, just imagine, this is a very easy mental exercise. Imagine some conservative who is a crazy fucking Pizzagate kook, Comet, you know, Comet Pizza crackpot with an AR-15 or whatever, tried to kill Ruth Bader Ginsburg before she died. And I say that because, you know, I go to, into toy stores in New York City and about half the toys are Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Toys. <laughs> very, a, very, very strange. Have you seen the statue, very, very strange. statue of her in uh, on Fulton Street in Brooklyn? There's a statue of her? Yeah, yeah. On the, there's like a, a newish mall there. I swear to God, if I beheaded that statue with a hacksaw, <laughs> it would get more coverage than the person who tried to behead the living Supreme Court Justice, Brett Kavanaugh. They had a pro- the first man executed in the state of New York <laughs> in some yes. years. Yeah, they, would, they would reverse that and be like, just shoot it. Like, shoot him in the street. Fine. We there was a protest. White nationalist. That's what they would say. There's a protest in front of Kavanaugh's house the same day that yeah. they arrested the guy who went in front of his house armed with intent to kill him. Jeez. Like, like you shouldn't feel comfortable in your house. I yeah, don't. I don't yeah. feel comfortable in my house because of the forthcoming Dobbs decision. So you know, hey, mm. um, that's how things are going to go. Um, yeah. Does anyone know the name Nicholas Roski? No, that's the name of the guy. Yeah, who, who one S or two? Uh, one S. Okay, Officer Roski, <laughs> Roskew. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it's just uh, amazing <laughs> how little attention this has gotten. I mean, the, the the very day the New York Times had it on the front page, below the fold, in a tiny box, and I I think the headline was even quite odd, uh, considering that I, you know that if this happened to somebody somebody else they would you you cannot as a person in the media say that this all important institution of the supreme court that somebody who is on the supreme court to this life appointment is on, like the person is on his street and you cannot weigh it differently depending on the supreme court justice <laughs> and what you think of their opinions why is this hard to understand and people should be outraged by this people should understand that nobody trusts you because you don't want to focus attention on somebody with a gun with zip ties, who's going to kill a Supreme Court justice, who is broadly on your side about these issues. That is crazy. There's going to be in this year, and there already has been, um, but there's going to be uh, violence directed that's uh, 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 in uh, uh, not honor of, but because of the abortion decision. There's going to be violence perpetrated either against abortion providers, against Supreme Court mm-hmm. justices, against the Federalist Society. There's going to be violence. It's going to happen, right? This is the first time that this right has been significantly uh, dealt with in the Supreme Court since 1992, whenever uh, Casey uh, happened. Um, and uh, people are completely excited about it um, and for very good reason. But the violence part is not a good reason. We're going to see violence associated with that. And it's worth thinking about that ahead of time. Um, I think that that all of what we've talked about in the last 10 minutes is super important and correct. Um, and, and and Portland, Oregon, 
you know, what was it, a hundred days in a row that they were just like stone cold, like assaulting federal buildings there. Um, tried tried and, to burn it down. Actively tried to burn it down. On a and, pe- and people. And yeah. there was a there was a MAGA guy that was shot and killed by a a. You know, I guess Antifa is the phrase that we use, but the other person on another yeah. side. I mean, and, that's and, and we can crazy. flag federal officials for the bullshit that they were doing in response to the protest as sure, well. Unmarked cars, the like bullshit detentions. There's yeah. there's so much culpability here, but I think the point that we're making is about the the sustained unrest, the climate yes. of of perilous danger that we saw unfolding all across the country for a sustained period of time. That, that I just don't think it's past our, tense, Camille. I honestly don't think it's past no, this, tense. This is, my is point. true. I agree. It's so I like, agree. I, I think agree. that there, there's oh, a- But keep in mind, a very quick thing is we're also, and in my little stupid soliloquy, but we're not blaming anyone That's for right. this, which is unlike what happens in Buffalo or something else. Like uh, there's not an assignation of blame to people who say, Brett Kavanaugh is the devil and you should protest in front of his house. That's I think right. it's it's unwise to do so. Um, and I think that he should have beefed up security and things like that. But I also don't blame the people who think that's the right the, the right course of action. Yeah, blame the uh, per- I blame I blame the guy with the gun who, mm-hmm. by the way, in his the affidavit against him, and I think this is actually quite important. Roski stated that he'd been thinking about how to give his life a purpose. And decided he would kill the Supreme Court justice after finding the justice uh, Montgomery County address on the internet. That is the affidavit. <sighs> and there is too much. Too many people out there who want to give their life a purpose in a political way. Giving your life a purpose in politics is never a good idea. It's really a bad idea. It's a bad idea. You're being manipulated by <laughs> yes. people who are yeah. like trying to win or Nazis and communists were it. always trying to give their life purpose. You know? I think, I think, uh, and uh, Camille, uh, probably you and I disagree on this to, to some extent, but it's not worth a long argument about it. Um, oh, let me be the judge of that white man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think all of what we were talking about is absolutely essential context. And I don't think at the same time that a discrete with the ETE spelling um, uh, committee that is convened to talk about one thing mm-hmm. uh, should necessarily be tasked with talking about all these other things, too. All those other things, too, are really important. And. That is kind of our job. That's that's a media job. That's a bunch of other people's job. It can come up in the discussion. Um, I think when you're talking about let's investigate what happened on January 6th, I don't think Portland, Oregon is part of that story in that investigation. I, it's I part can of the, appreciate that. It's part of the journalistic sure, story sure, no, absolutely, and yeah. the and the overall contextual story. And, yeah. and there's something about that that is absolutely crucial. Is, we're in a long populist moment and there's going to be so much attraction to street violence. I mean, LARPing street violence, a lot of it, but some of it's going to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Homemade people imagine. <laughs> yeah. Homemade fucking shields. Yeah. Homemade little like, uh, like fucking, I'm going to sharpen the yeah. edge of my flag and like poke <laughs> yeah. somebody with Jesus Christ, people. It's pathetic. <laughs> fucking trays from the cafeteria as your shield. It's I like, mean, all right, Norseman. Like the nice pa- job. The Patriot assholes in like Kurt Allen, Idaho. Like are those, those are the guys who were in the back of the U-Haul, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's so. So they should have just hit it with an RPG and just been called it a day. Oh, They're all in one place. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> fine. It's just like, save us some money. We like, headed to like the pride parade. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> These are really, I mean, by the way, there's like the, the mug shots 
And you know, it's that guy oh, Andy No always does that. Always with like does a, a mugshot of the, the Antifa one. people. It's like, yeah. dude, you got to do the ones with these guys too. It's like they look yeah. like they have a collective IQ of about seventy. Is these like just slack jawed <laughs> fucking morons? Seriously, the only <laughs> time we'll ever allow for an IQ. Uh, yeah, yeah, remark. Yeah, yeah. It's that photo. It's, no, I mean, no, they're like, shit. hey, Paul, hey, Paul. It's yeah. like, oh, come on. There are headlines of like, you know, uh, you know, patriot asshole <laughs> yeah. uh, arrested. Um, uh, you know, mom kicked him out literally from his basement. Yeah, there's like, a woman like, today who was like, who spoke to the press and her son was the one who was uh, one of the ones who was arrested. And she was like, he is deplorable and his ideas are deplorable. And I reject my son. And wow. it's like, these aren't, yeah. And it's like, these aren't people that are like coming up only wow. in this. Like kind Idaho of crucible of like hatred or something, but you know, I think that the overstatement is a problem, particularly in the January 16th. I mean, your point is one that is well taken that mm -hmm. these are separate instances, but when you do use the language of a lot of the people that talk about this stuff and talk about climate, it's important to see what preceded it and mm -hmm. where we are now. Mm -hmm. But nobody is really trying to, and this is what's always important to remember about the media. When you're reading these hot takes and reading stuff on Twitter and reading these these things that are, we just digested this today, and here is my precy of what happened today, or watching MSNBC um, or Fox or any of these things. No one's trying to figure out what is going on. Why is this happening? Who are these people is this something that is actually a threat to american democracy there are people just trying to play politics and score political points the reason that i was skeptical and you know i i appreciated peter meyer representative meyer uh coming on the show and, and saying no this is actually necessary for this reason i think he made a lot of good points and i agree with him probably my only problem is that when democrats are being shellacked and and joe biden's like below the mendoza line and he's at like 38 <laughs> percent is like they want to keep this in the public yes. consciousness for a political reason. Mm -hmm. And like, just remember, even if you get a lot of great stuff out of this, that's true. And like, I mean, you made a good point about the first day when I watched that video, I was like, I had seen a lot of stuff in that was like that. I hadn't seen the police body cam footage, but I'd seen a lot like that and put together. It's like, that's a good reminder of what we're dealing with because we've been separated for a while from it. Mm. And it's been a lot of political back and forth. And we weren't all seeking it out. Like and we weren't I, all seeking yeah, it yeah. out. So it is useful in that sense, but it is also useful to remember. And it is not a partisan point to point out that it is partisan. It mm -hmm. is itself not as partisan point to say that, like, I'm not saying this as a Republican, as a Democrat, as a liberal, as a conservative. It is just like the reason that Eric Swalwell talks about this is not a deep craving for the truth. It is the desire to win and to destroy this faction of the Republican Party. And it's a complete fool's errand because will this is the question we ask ourselves now. Will this change people's mind? And 20 million people watched the first day. That was pretty impressive. I was more than I thought it would, it would be. I don't know what the second day stuff still was. Less than, uh, yeah, the, still less than uh, Biden's uh, last State of the Union address. It was. Yeah, oh, that, okay. was, that, was yeah. that was my wager. That was my wager. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to yeah. take, I forget what I was going to take, but it was clear. Like Biden was 40 yeah. million. Like, yeah. 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 So we were mentioning um, just the, the politicization of this, the fact that this is partisan and it's, it's worth, it's worth underscoring some of the ways um, the Capitol police uh, this week um, issued um, a, a statement and cleared representative Barry Loudermilk of Georgia who had oh, been, the, yeah. who'd been accused of letting in January 6th demonstrators on the mm -hmm. 5th to, to have them surveil the yeah. Capitol and take photos of the Capitol so that they could- It's kind of curious could, when you see the so footage. So that they could empower them 
to uh, to do a better job uh, on the next day. Uh, this is this is the thing about this. One, I mean, it, it's at this point if the if the Capitol Police have come out and cleared him, that seems sufficient. But the scandal continues to go on and on because they were actually in a house building and there were some constituents of his who he was videoed or photoed um, having sort of shown around in a way that congressmen, it, it seems to be. The Capitol Police are saying that this is innocent and it's conventional stuff and that these, these tours happen. But if you actually are planning a coup, a violent coup, and you need to surveil these buildings. There are maps of all of these buildings, mm-hmm. like on the internets. Yes. There are photos of plenty of this stuff. Like and you also, by the way, do not need a congressman to walk into the, the Capitol. I mean, prior to January 6th, I mean, you can walk in and kind of walk around. It's not terribly difficult to do so. It's just like, you know, bizarre. Like it is, it's, it's a helpful. weird conspiracy it's helpful, theory. Like it, to see, it, isn't it's it? A weird is it not conspiracy? helpful? It's a weird conspiracy theory that like has has been knocked down at this point and well, they show the January 6th commission is no, still like well, publishing they, this material the Capitol Hill after police the Capitol decl- police cleared him so apparently you're taking your marching orders from whatever the Capitol Hill police mm-hmm. decides is, is <laughs> worth prosecuting or not um, I have at least so the January 6th committee I, they were having a dispute earlier this week about whether or not they were going to charge and they apparently have have settled that and they're going to leave it up they to should the charge Department. they should charge <laughs> no one I, I, I think this should be an informational exercise yeah uh, and I and I have no idea I think there is value if you know you're going to go into a place the next day to take a tour of it and take pictures of what it looks like that makes sense Right. Well, but it also makes is, sense that like you should close schools in, in April 2020 because kids have a lot of snot and they're going to spread coronavirus. So like there's a lot of stuff that makes sense on their face and you should be appropriately skeptical. I wouldn't say like the judgment of the Capitol Hill police, you know, forecloses that from being a possibility just, that he did something wrong or that he's not no even that he, didn't, that he did anything wrong is the um, important thing. Apart from right. apart from the apart from the smear, like there's no evidence that he did anything wrong. And that seems important. Well, the thing that's also weird about it is they release a photo like from uh, Capitol, the Capitol security cameras. Yeah. And, you know, people's faces are pretty visible. They're wearing they're wearing masks, but, you know, they're visiting that congressman. So the masks are like have like below their lip <laughs> and uh, they're like they're taking pictures of uh, of uh, hallways and like, yeah, that's what people do in the Capitol. They just we do weird shit. But like I why, you would assume they're putting this up there in a very suggestive way. Have you not identified these people? I mean, did, really? did anything happen the following day that suggests that someone had done reconnaissance and was utilize and was utilizing it so that they could? <laughs> no, they were just running them. into the building, no, screaming. There was nothing that happened they, the following day that suggests that there was some sort of strategic reconnaissance that took place the day before. It is think, an absurdity. I but, think. I think what they're trying to do is to. Uh, and some of this is is maybe not in the particular uh, uh, scenario, but broadly speaking, understandable. But they're trying to scare you about thinking how much more worse it could have been. So this guy, he was clearly like, you know, he was taking advantage of this tour um, to take pictures of of strategic security entrances. Well, all right. And stairwells. OK. Um, but they also got like uh, video footage of guys talking um, in lurid terms about doing violence against Nancy Pelosi and mm-hmm. AOC. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and yeah. right. This is the AOC was mocked perhaps by us. Um, uh, in her talking about hunkering down in the, uh, hers was just really weirdly specific uh, when she was like, they were going to rape me. 
which I didn't hear anyone. And she say. wasn't in the Capitol. She wasn't she in was, the Capitol. She was in the in the. So yeah. like, um, I think maybe one of their attempts at suggestion, which they should probably not do it too much of, because that's not ultimately convincing, is that. <laughs> Oh, these guys were mapping out things because if if they had totally gotten everything that they wanted, they would have gone into the congressional office building and done the raping of AOC. Right, right. Uh, that's that's so the instead, best. They just had a prayer meeting in the in the rotunda or whatever. It just okay. I th I think the, the to me like um and this is not a defense of this particular video at all um uh, but of that concept of like. It could have been worse. Uh, to me, a takeaway that I didn't expect to rethink about, let's say, because I have I've really been studiously not paying attention to Donald Trump ever since he lost the election because he's not the president. I tend to focus on the presidents in, in office. And I don't think that Donald Trump has any real strong chance of winning uh, the presidency again for a variety of reasons. And um, so I haven't been paying attention to these types of stories. So to see them synthesized um, uh, was, you know, on its own powerful. But like this one notion haunts me, which is that Donald Trump didn't have a good plan at all. Um, it's the plan like there wasn't seven parts or anything like that. But um, I am more convinced than I was before that he would have done anything if there was any possibility, any to do something illegal, whatever, um, to retain the presidency, I don't think that he was constrained by anything in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so, like, from himself, mm -hmm. internally constrained by that moment. He ended up being constrained by individuals, by institutions, by a bunch of different things. Right. Um, but my, my, my thing that I'm thinking about more now, and again, I don't want to dwell on it um, because it's kind of in the past, but, like, what is the number of people or institutions that held the line there to show that the institutions could hold? Maybe there was a lot. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was more than five. Maybe it was 500. Maybe it wasn't ever close. But I am convinced that Trump would have absolutely fucking done a coup if he could have done a coup. You can't do a coup in America, at least now. You can't. Uh, no. we'll, we'll see what happens I, 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 10 yeah, years from now. Yeah, you can't do yeah, one. No. But. Would Trump do a coup if he could? I fucking believe he would have done a coup if he could. The thing about it is that, and I think it's right. I mean, who know, I don't know what what would happen in a situation like that. I'm I'm inclined to agree with you, just because the man doesn't have a moral core that I, anyone has been able to find for 60, 70 years. But when we take the focus off him, and the reason we take the focus off him is because he is as I, he's not a spent political force yet. Obviously not. Um, he is in the past. We're trying to keep him in the news for political reasons. People, I'm talking about his political opponents. But to say that he has created an environment where people do the things that happened on January 6th is is slightly true. I don't think it's entirely true because I think that most people who voted for him found this stuff pretty reprehensible and would never do something like that. And in fact, a lot of people that were there didn't go into the Capitol, right? And they backed off. Mm -hmm. um, so why not? Keep the focus on the call to Brad Raffensperger in, in, uh, in Georgia, which is a, an offense against American democracy at its very, very core. It is saying you need to overturn the results of a legitimate democratic election so I win. Go find, find them. The votes. And that is not saying that we believe that they're missing because that is a, that isn't, it is literally suborning 
someone to to throw an election because when you say that at that point you have no evidence that there are are votes that are missing so therefore you are creating this out of whole cloth and saying go find them that is the issue that is the problem trump's reaction to this is you know on january 6 2 also the problem the number of people that have been considered you know real threats to democracy like bill barr who's up there literally laughing saying like these people are insane you know the the uh kraken uh what's her name I, I just, lynn manuel uh, lynn Mel- yeah. manuel noriega yeah yeah uh, <laughs> and you know dinesh d'souza's movie like sixty-five thousand mules or the fuck it's called from the criminal dinesh d'souza he's laughing at this stuff you cannot populate an administration like this with you know republicans who have you know been in government for so long and that's why yeah you have all these people like you have all the not even backbenchers people that didn't exist before like the ones that were in the breitbart orbit that are all of a sudden thrown into government like like steve bannon and like seb gorka who is like now like selling gold you know and it's like like, I, i see those guys on tv but the rest of the people that are actually there are nevertheless regardless of what you think of their politics or how much they've compromised their credibility by working with Donald Trump, at a moment like that, we're not ready to say, let's overthrow this election. You know, I mean, there's not a ton of evidence. There are there are people that we're seeing in the January 6th um, hearings, you know, particular lawyers, for instance, particular nutbags like who used to be normal, like Rudy Giuliani, reasonably normal. But, you know, overall, you know, Jared and... Ivanka wanted to distance themselves from this immediately too. It doesn't, I'm not defending them because I think that they've they did enough to actually create this environment that they should be they should feel forever shamed at their participation in this in this presidency. But at the same time, they're not going to be up there at the ramparts. So it's a Donald Trump issue, and the call to the call in Georgia, the comments, all of that stuff. You know, the hang Mike Pence stuff and his reaction to that. And maybe they have a point, I think is what he said, something to that. Uh, to, reportedly, he didn't Reportedly. I tend to believe that, though. And I think a lot of Republicans tended to believe that, too. That, you know, this is not a man who should be anywhere near the levers of power. And that's where you kind of end it. You don't have to say that let's do... But look, the, the other thing, and one final thing in this, I've been going on too long. But one final thing in this is that... There is that institutional capture that is terrifying, and we see it. And we should talk about what you know these these um, these elections and and primaries the other night is that the number of people who f- know that he's crazy. And how many Republicans have told me this on the Hill? Like many Republicans have told me this, that they know he's crazy, they know he's bad for the country, they know he's bad for the party, but yet when push comes to shove, <coughs> they don't want to offend him, and they will not come out in say in a clear throated way in a full throated way that the he lost the election you know i mean liz cheney is sort of alone in that and you know mitch mcconnell says well you know we don't like this because it's become her singular obsession okay you can criticize her for that um but she's not being made to feel very comfortable within the party mm-hmm. and she's not wrong on the, on the broader point at all yeah but but it, to matt to matt's point of like would if if these hypotheticals, you know, if, if Trump could uh, perpetrate a coup, he would. Mm-hmm. I think in this situation, it's probably pretty, pretty obvious to me that if Brad Raffensperger said, uh, let me call you back in a couple hours, I'll, I'll, I'll find them. He yeah. would be like, great. 
He's not going to be like, oh, yeah. you know, I'm just, yeah. I have the evidence. Can you just look at my evidence? I'm not telling you. If the guy said, I will manufacture them out of whole cloth, yeah. he would have said, I mean, this is a counterfactual that we yeah, don't, yeah. you know, as just no, we the don't, nature we of don't know. But, but we I don't know. I would but say we, again, and, and I, I think, would guess that, yeah, yeah. I would say again, like the, the second day, like what it persuaded me of in a way that I perhaps had not been persuaded before. I, I've always thought he was kind of crazy, but like he had really, he was out of his gourd. Yeah, like people who who he cared about, presumably to the extent he has this capacity, were hmm. telling him to his face, like, "Dude, this is this is this is bad. Like, there's nothing here," and, and he like persisted in this delusion. It seems for a while, and maybe it wasn't a delusion. Maybe it's it's he's completely pretending. But even that, there's just something so debased about that. Even even the day after um the 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 prime time. Um, the primetime presentation when he tweets about Ivanka and he oh, tweets yeah, yeah. using yeah. her name, Ivanka Trump. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think he cut her out of the will. I think he probably did. Yeah, like unlike before when he was on Howard Stern's show and he was talking about how hot his daughter was. So I think this is probably the more normal of the two comments. Yeah, she's <laughs> cut her out of the will. But, but uh, yeah. yeah I, I, mean, I, wish, I wish I wasn't her dad. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, look, I wasn't that, her father. I'd like talking about hater. Trump, like saying I wanted to, like you know, bang my daughter. That is, uh, it's actually important, and it's important in the sense that <laughs> we have mentioned many times in the show that um, Stacey Abrams, that Rolling Stone magazine, that Barack Obama in two thousand four, two thousand five, have all questioned the integrity of American elections at mm -hmm. various points. And that is true. The extra special sauce here is that Donald Trump is crazy. That he's an absolute <laughs> crazy person that says, I want to have sex with my daughter. Or maybe I would, hypothetically. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's pretty hot. Like, I mean, who says something like that that's fucking insane? But that is the extra kind of oomph of like, you know, Stacey Abrams is a part of this story in the sense that when Americans lose trust in elections mm -hmm. writ large, and it's not just... Republicans, but Donald Trump did this in a very specific way. Yeah. Well, you, you, and, you and it was, you know, it was in the time when he's like, we have to, you know, prevent my, my vice president should subvert the constitution yeah, today yeah, yeah. and make sure that I'm president. That's yeah. insane. Stacey Abrams. Hillary Clinton also flagged the, the, the election. And I mean, remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's also that true. Joe Biden yeah. shouldn't, shouldn't under any circumstances. Under any circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, if it was a blowout, 80-20, she'd be like, nope. Don't Which is garbage. And, you know, if there are going to be people in November, this is a prediction. This isn't an assertion of fact. Um, in November of this year, when mm -hmm. it's very likely that Democrats are going to lose handily in a lot of places where yeah. they're accustomed to winning, um, it'll be interesting to see how the old election integrity uh, response goes. I, I predict mm -hmm. that there's going to be people. Oh, without a doubt. Who yeah. are going to question the integrity of the elections? They've already laid um, the groundwork for it. Yeah, and um, and hopefully, um, in that process, the worst that they can do is kind of what Stacey Abrams did, which is to say, uh, just to never concede, and that's pretty bad. Um, but never conceding is not quite as bad as saying. 
and rallying your supporters for months on end that we have to do everything in our power <laughs> to persuade the vice president from taking some unconstitutional action that is outside of his purview whatsoever. Uh, and like, we'll go and get right in their face and tell them in, in person, like there's a there's a gradation of difference there that that it's important to acknowledge, even as you point out what is generally not pointed out in these things, which is that it's a bipartisan tradition for 22 years now to dispute preemptively or post facto the results of elections. Both parties do it. Will, will Stacey Abrams concede if she loses this time? She's going to lose time. The woman is good at two things, writing uh, very saucy romance novels and losing. So I think oh, she's- Wait, 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 you read them. Uh, you just said you know, read them. No, Are they good? I mean, I, Are they good? Look, you spend a lot of time on the beach. <laughs> you got to read some stuff when you're there. Yeah, you get um, on the plane. Also, you need a book. He's also trying to impress all those yoga moms in East <laughs> Egg. Oh it's like, yeah, I'm reading <laughs> Stacey Abrams' sex <laughs> yeah, novels. I, I, just, I just sit in the center of town with yeah. that book cracked open. Like, what's up, baby? <laughs> Everything else you Man, read on the Man, she's getting ripped off. Yeah. And I was like, let's recreate some of these scenes. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> these man. steamy scenes. By the way, I just give you a politico headline oh, no. okay i was trying to find something because um talk about those elections uh from yesterday mm. uh this is a, an amazing hilarious headline which is uh two politicos or two it's a double byline thing of the two politico reporters venting their own frustration by creating a very specific story narrative latino democrats vent their fury after foreboding special election loss in Texas, what they vent the, the pe <laughs> you know the people who lose tend to vent their fury. It's like, but it's a way of of saying you know these Republican pickups in the Rio Grande Valley, like you mm -hmm. know this. I'm really angry about this. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, you should have been angry about it about five years ago while the thing was turning against you. Places where Obama, I think, won by like he was like plus sixty, really, truly, and like and 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 I think. Um, Hillary Clinton was like maybe plus 30, 40, something like that. Biden four and now flipped to a woman who will be the first person in Congress, probably for a short period of time, by the way, special election, maybe like a six month because the redistricting is going to probably kick, kick her out when the actual election comes around, who was born in Mexico. She was born in Hidalgo, Mexico. She came to the mm. United States when she was six. She's a Republican and she's going to be the first Mexican born person ever to serve in the House of Representatives. She's a legit Republican. She's like a legit the, Republican. Like yeah. the, the campaign language is about her husband's a border patrol agent by liberals the way. who yeah, are yeah, destroying yeah. this country. Yeah. Like, that was not a fluke where she's just kind of running red, but she's talking left. Yeah. And did your uh, sexy American, uh, African American uh, girlfriend, Elon Musk, Camille, um, voted for her? <laughs> voted for her, right? He voted for, he her, voted yeah. for her. Yeah, he voted for her and yeah. tweeted about it. Yeah, he also, did. also said today that he uh, would vote for DeSantis. He's, or at least he's yes. leaning towards DeSantis for president of the United States. Are we going to talk about Camille's EU that he puts in that? People have emailed us about this. Yeah. 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 People get, you, you've never, have you not seen those emails? No. He doesn't I, look at the emails. Yeah, he doesn't read them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I say what very I want. Mad, they get very mad when you don't say DeSantis. You know what? I say what I I'm want. I'm just telling, I'm not, I'm, I'm the messenger. <laughs> I'm not, I don't correct you. Get his, uh, he's a, he's a circle. asshole oh, listener. I gotta get too. his name right. I don't have to get his name right. This is a, this is a man infuriated by cartoons kissing. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm not going to take this yeah. man seriously. Yeah. Come on now. Unlike Camille, who's turned on by cartoons. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's right. Yes, sir. It's <laughs> a whole thing right. on Pornhub. Yeah. Is, there's a what? genre. <laughs> what are you talking about?
Yeah. What tentacle. is that? Is that what is that website? Is that some sort of educational <laughs> website about the dangers of pornography? It's only only one of the most important websites in the world. Yes. Yes. I love it's mine. The strangest Geek. thing. It's the strangest yeah. thing. Celebrated yeah. around the world, and we we won't talk about it. We won't admit the truth that you people are disgusting. Oh, is that the? Yeah, she's the only one. How old is she? She's, I don't know. That might be an old picture. She's standing. She's standing in front of the border fence. Who who are you this looking is, at? Uh, Myra Flores. Oh yeah, you know, one just, hand's macking on her. Arm. No, I'm just looking at her. I'm just looking at her. Her husband's a border patrol. Agent. I'm she's not tall her. enough, obviously. <laughs> no, but like, I mean, she's literally like she's wearing a border patrol hat, like looking all saucy. Oh yeah. I mean, I wonder why she won because of her politics. Mm, maybe. <laughs> maybe a bunch of thirsty guys in the Rio Grande Valley are like, oh no. <laughs> I, I like it. Yes. That's an oh, accent, people. God. Don't yeah. get out, don't get mad at me. Yeah. I actually watched a Dave Chappelle clip when he was on um, Conan a number of years ago, talking about um, white people doing black accents and him doing white accents and how it's all totally fine and hilarious. And uh, I'm going to have to post that someday. His <laughs> his white accent is pretty good. His it's very it's very good. Yours is still Eddie Murphy white. I think. Yeah, Eddie, it's, yeah. it's all the same thing. It's like, yeah. excuse me, sir. It's that really kind of clenched. Yeah. You know, Midwestern flat accent. Yeah. Um, what other elections? There was the Trump stuff was kind of a mixed bag again, right? I yeah, think the, South Carolina had um, had a pair of elections dude, there, but that was you, serious. Yeah, we've got you got two two Republicans who are, were kind of less less than obviously in Trump's camp, or at least Trump was backing Republican opponents. Well, Tom Rice voted to impeach. Yeah, Tom Rice voted to impeach, and yeah. um, what's her what's her name? Mace. He also, I think, he also said the election was stolen. Not joking. Yeah, yeah, I think he said both things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> said five both terms. Things. I'm Congratulations, America! Yeah. Dude, I'm not gonna like it, sir. Yeah, five term <laughs> Republican congressman, and he gets fucking shellacked. Yeah, it's he, on he a got 24 percent of the votes. Yeah, twenty four percent. Bye, bye, Liz Cheney. Our uh, bro, Peter Meyer, um, mm -hmm. and I only call him a bro because he's been on, but more importantly, he's been a benefactor, been a subscriber. He's, he's, a, he's also a very, very... Has he crossed over, though, into the, the so. Substack? I don't think so. Congressman. Yeah. Clean up an aisle seven of uh, <laughs> Myers. <laughs> Myers. Yeah. Did, did, you, did you not have enough money? Was that the problem? No. Um, the uh, January 6th uh, protesters took all his money. Uh, <laughs> broke into his office. <laughs> Stole his computer. They kidnapped <laughs> him and replaced him with a doppelganger. That's what they. He did. is next in line. That's the Politico headline of today. Like Peter Meyer next up in Trump's sights, and and that's yeah. that that speaks to uh, a, a weird uh, phenomenon of the GOP and its relationship with Trump right now, which is that Midwest Trump, yeah. South Southeast. Yeah. Well, the thing Depends. about it is, like, if you're in Peter's district in Michigan. And you have to, you're going to go out and vote in the primary. And that's uh, something you're thinking about. Like, who am I going to vote for here? I don't care if you dislike every one of Peter's positions. Because what everyone complains about when they talk about politics is they talk about their, you know, liars mm -hmm. that were bought off by this, that, and the other interest. Yeah. Can you not just vote for someone out of respect for somebody who knows that this is a very hard slog in his first term as a congressman? He didn't have to say anything. He could have just put his head down, and he did because he believes it. And when I asked him about this, I interviewed him, um, and he said, uh, "You know, fuck it. I think it's wrong, and I'm going to tell you what I think about it." 
And that is so unbelievably rare <laughs> and incredibly admirable on the Hill that even if you disagree with him on 89% of things, 100% of things, vote for him just because there are so few principal politicians. And he's someone who actually stood out for doing that because if he, and, and he said to me, he liked his job and he wanted to keep his job. It wasn't just a thing that he was doing. He felt like it was an important, necessary thing to do to serve. And we had a good conversation about this. And, um, you know, when we do have that conversation always, which is, which is like, you know, they're all corrupt. Mm -hmm. That's the swamp. It's like, all right, we'll vote for one who isn't. Even if you disagree with them, just say, you know, I admire your stand on this. Yeah. I mean, I remember when back when, um, um, uh, what's his face, um, uh, in Wisconsin, help me out, Moynihan, Democrat, Russell Feingold. Russ Feingold, yeah. Russ Feingold. Um, lost. He, I think he lost to Ron Johnson originally. Ron Johnson is, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was an interesting moment uh, for political libertarians out there, small L, which is that Ron Johnson back then was presenting as a limited government conservative. I think uh, the track record has shown the, <laughs> the folly of that analysis. Um, Russ Feingold, super big government lefty, but also super principled about uh, surveillance state uh, issues, about a lot of war issues. I might even disagree with him on some of them, but he was a lonely lefty in the in the world, just like an old school ACLU lefty um, uh, liberal Democrat. And uh, and it was interesting to watch back in that day uh, where libertarians stood uh, for me. Uh, and I almost feel a sense of shame that I wasn't louder about this. Not that I care about elections or talk about them too much. But like uh, at some point you want someone who is, you know, to be personally decent and principled according to their own things. Um, and you're going to disagree with them unless it's like, you know, the one in a trillion uh, dice roll that uh, that's going to make that person have your politics. Um, but if they're a decent person and they're honest, holy cow, like right now, after seven years, the last shit that we've had, um, I want that so much more than anything else. Like there could be someone who absolutely agrees with me about every single fucking issue. But if he's a douchebag like Adam Schiff or Ted Cruz or any number of people in the world or increasingly yeah. Ron, both DeSantis and DeSantis, mm -hmm. um, if you could just feel, you know, fucking Josh Hawley. Uh, Rand Paul? Uh, Rand Paul increasingly, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I said this is someone I've, I've been personally friendly with him for a long time. He was like, uh, I think today or yes. I'm the only one that's pro neighbor in this, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> You're just a neocon that like it comes out in various no, ways. Do you want to know why? Do you want to know why? Do you want to know where this comes from? This is so fucking, this is so. Like, oh my God. I'm, you were that I'm neighbor. I am praising Representative Meyer for his principles stand on things. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm the opposite of him because I have no principles and I'm just a very <laughs> nasty, angry, you pissed me off one time as I interviewed him in Iowa during the caucuses. And Rand. He was, he was, yeah, Rand. And he was a complete dick. He's not always uh, very warm. And I was embrace. like, I was trying all the shit. I was like, hey, Reason. And he's like, fucking punk bitches. He I was like, what? He doesn't like Reason. Yeah, well, he, I was, that was a while ago. That was 2016. So I thought maybe, but no, no, he was not nice to me at all. And, uh, and yeah, this, I mean, there's obviously a lot of other things that we've discussed on this show before. I mean, who are the, I'm trying to think of who are the politicians that I think 
that I disagree with a lot that I think are principled and worth, um, you know, praising. And I, there's probably not many. Jared mm-hmm. Polis, who's now the, Jared governor, in, in Colorado. Who's now the governor yeah. of Colorado, and he's continued to distinguish himself, including about fucking like, hey, maybe we have inflation. Don't do the tariffs. Yeah. <laughs> not that, you know, he's the mm-hmm. governor of Colorado, so it doesn't really matter. But like uh, he's been consistent on that. Uh, no, Rand, uh, I think today or yesterday tweeted something out along the lines of, of well, if you want to see the real heart of the Democratic Party, just see, you know, fill in the blank, something, something uh, trans and kids. Um, and it's like, no, that's actually not how you see the real heart of the Democratic Party, like some document that shows that they want to infect, you know, kids with trans issues and stuff like that. Like you're just being so transparently opportunist right now. And there's a lot of people doing that in a lot of different parties right now who are like, like, we got one. We got a live issue. We can get people really excited and mad about trans stuff. And I say this is someone who is uh, kind of sympathetic to the argument that there's too much of uh, proselytizing that's going on, like, you know, in, in kindergarten with uh, these things. Um, but like to see this as the overriding and most important issue yeah. in 2022. By the way, on that point, just because we don't talk about it a ton. But um, we leave. We want. We want uh, Jesse to, you know, have some original materials. We let him have that. Yeah. yeah. Talk about it very much. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> it's like I like your cover band, but the original is better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we love you guys, by the way. Just joking. Uh, that is the natural um, response. The the kind of extremism that is developed in that. In when you successfully cut off debate about a topic. And that's yeah. where it goes. I mean, it's like you, you, you very successfully said, if you go out on a limb on this, if you stick your neck above the parapet, you're going to have your head chopped off. But I want to say one thing, because I just, I want to mention somebody in particular. When I talk about people who are principled, who I really appreciate, who I really disagree with, um, none of them are in politics. It's like very rare, very mm-hmm. rare. But there are a lot of people on the scene now that talk about politics who are, um, who qualify for sure. And someone we should have on the show who I think is so fucking smart and so fucking wrong and really fun to talk to is Brianna Joy Gray, mm. um, who, you know, worked for Bernie Sanders, is a, you know, very left woman. She told me when I interviewed her one time for a vice thing, she was like, I'm left of Lenin. And I was like, what do you want to kill more kulaks? I mean, what is your, <laughs> what is, what does that actually mean? Um, but I find her very willing to engage people on the other side and to do it in good faith and actually have a really good argument about it. And so we should have her on. She's very, very smart. And I know Glenn had her on. And um, no, 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 Glenn. No, 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 sorry. That's why I'm asking for fucking. Yeah, 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 so many Glens. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Exactly. The Brazilian Glenn and the (laughs) brown university. Not. I mean, ten years ago, that would be Reynolds, (laughs) right? Yeah, that's right. He's he's, whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, she's really good. And I think there's a lot of people like in the orbit of like people who try to get on this podcast uh, that are that are kind of outside of the universe that we exist in. Who I think are 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 pretty straight shooters, and she's she's definitely top of the list for me. But yeah, it's really rare that 
the ranks of politicians are going to produce Almost those never. names. Almost never, really. Almost never. And like when you do, there's a reason why you sort of latch onto them. And this wine is very good, by the way. It's pretty good. This is it's a screw off top too. I thought it was Ripple. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this is what is the what are they what's what's the joke about uh, about uh, about Red uh, Fox? the Hamptons? This is like oh, the, oh I thought you were saying Red Fox. Is <laughs> what I always said. Uh, coming to join you with a half bottle Ripple and an old toothbrush. No, I don't know what that means, but it's good. <laughs> this is basically the IV drip for the Hamptons. Oh, yeah, something, yeah, yeah. something about what you were just saying, Moynihan, just about like about Red Fox. integrity. <laughs> it just reminded me of something that happened at, at um, Heterodox that I wish I'd had a moment to to comment on. Um, can, can you tell people for 10 seconds what Heterodox Academy is and why uh, it's actually yeah. not an academy, which is a problem <laughs> yes. in their fucking name. <laughs> Heterodox it's a, Academy a is an organization founded by uh, Jonathan Haidt, if I'm not mistaken. He is the founder. Yeah. Um, and is, John, yeah. John Haidt is actually probably among the most hardworking people in academia, yes. um, not just because he writes books that end up being very consequential and features in places like the Atlantic that end up being very consequential, but he keeps founding all of these things. Yeah. <laughs> like, lots does he, and like, lots does he like of hate things. his wife or something? <laughs> he must. No, I, just, I, I don't want to be home. I, I saw him with her the other day. She came to a talk that he gave at, at mm -hmm. a, a conference I was at and, mm -hmm. um, did she have a heavy yeah. Russian accent? Serving no. papers. <laughs> no. Yes, I am way for tonight. Yes. Yes. Here the Dogs Academy is great. Don't, it's a don't, don't smear yeah. that man. No, don't I will never smear man. him. I'm just telling the truth. <laughs> yes. like the Lauren Bobert of... But, uh, oh, God. But yeah, it's, a, it's an organization <laughs> devoted to... Um, uh, cultivating viewpoint girl. diversity on university campuses. Um, and uh, its membership is made up of, uh, I believe, something like 5,000 um, academics from around the world, uh, most of whom I imagine are in the United States. Uh, and they are of all political parties, um, but they're generally concerned about the ideological homogeneity that exists on university campuses. And, and there very much is ideological homogeneity on university campuses. I think it's something less, like fewer than 20% of uh, university faculty members work in these institutions are, are Republicans or libertarians. And the number has been uh, getting worse over time, and for I'm all of the interest, for all of the interest in diversity, for all of the aggressive efforts to ensure that the campus is demographically representative of the communities uh, that that they represent, um, or that they um, that they are in, uh, there is seemingly little to no meaningful effort being made to actually try and diversify these institutions when it comes to it comes to ideas. And there's all sorts of horrible um, knock-on effects to having an, uh, an institution be ideologically cloistered in that way. Um, it, it has an impact on the research. It has an impact on the students and whether or not they feel comfortable exploring particular ideas. And it has an impact on the, the people who themselves are perhaps left of center and never ever have an opportunity to defend their own ideas on campus um, or, or in their professional work. Um, so there's something pretty, pretty deleterious a, about that. That's a great point that's so underappreciated, right? It's like you've never been challenged. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're, you're in the dominant group. You've never been challenged. What a horrible life. I see it all the time. 
I experience it all the time, and it's a really amazing thing when somebody chimes in at you know a parent thing or a you know dinner party or something in the city, and they cannot imagine that there are people that have views that are different than theirs. It's, well, this is it's an amazing thing to watch. Was well, the reactionary stuff that we see on the right a lot with respect to the response to woke critical race theory stuff? You get a similar sort of dynamic on these campuses. And anyone who shows up and has something to say about like Black Lives Matter, even if they fundamentally agree with the mission of the organization in terms of doing something about cops um, in general, but if they have a disagreement on tactics, like it can inspire a, a horrible controversy that spills into like national newspapers. And I'm using that because it is a real example. Um, something that I actually interviewed someone about this weekend, but I was the example I was going to give is not this. I was going to mention that John and Glenn um, were doing the kind of final panel of this event, and at some point a young man uh, stands up and he asks a question, and he was a professor, and I believe like an adjunct professor at some university, and he teaches uh, about jazz or he like researches jazz and teaches in the music school, and that's his thing. And he he stood up and he said that he 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 self-identified as white and he said that already puts him at a disadvantage in the department because, you know, jazz is, as he explained it, um, is, you know, a, a, a black genre of music. Uh, and he said, but in addition to, to this problem, I have a further issue in that a lot of my views are probably more in line with, you know, yours, um, John and Glenn. Um, so... I don't know what to do. I don't have tenure. I'm I'm nervous about my position here. And John and Glenn both sort of agonized over this, but they also both kind of gave him a response and they both told him, keep your head down. Like, don't say anything. Oh, like, really? Get tenure because there's nothing. Which you can doesn't do. matter anymore as of what, well, a month ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is, this of, is the first problem. Because of Princeton. Yeah. yeah the guy this is Princeton. the first problem. Like tenure, Cats? Is tenure won't necessarily yeah. save you. Yeah, and that's a, an absolutely new thing. That ten, this is the first time that that's that's happened, and that's a be a big case for fire. But saying these things in public is itself an act of of not bravery, but of kind of a kamikaze like honesty. Because I, a good a good example of this recently is the writer James Patterson, who writes a billion selling books, right? And I'll give you a headline because this really bummed me out. And nobody, nobody's going to come forward and, and actually defend him. And I'm going to do that right now because um, nobody did. And the headline I saw on CNN tonight was, you know, the predictable one. James Patterson apologizes. Now, listen to this headline. James Patterson apologize for, apologizes for saying white men don't get writing jobs due to racism. Okay. This is the quote from James Patterson. Can you get a job? Yes. Is it harder? Yeah. It's even harder for older writers. You don't meet many 52-year-old white males. And he's talking about like new writers. Uh -oh. uh, I absolutely do not believe that racism is practiced against uh, white writers. Please know that I strongly support diversity of vo voices. That's what he said in response. Um, this is what he's saying is true. And it doesn't mean when you take this, you know, and, and, I, and I say this because if you're talking about this professor of like, you know, as the white guy in here, what should I do? Is that, you know, that headline is really dishonest, saying white men don't get writing jobs due to racism. That's not what he said. He said it is increasingly harder. Now, if you go 
to somebody at a meeting at a publishing company, at a magazine, at a newspaper, at any kind of, you know, place that's, you know, mainstream New York kind of generally liberal place. And you talk about who we should have writing X, Y, and Z. People are going to say, as they are allowed to say, that we need a lot more writers of color. By its very nature of saying that, there is a saying that we, we're going to, you know, weigh some things less than others. And you get into Ilya Shapiro territory here of like just saying things that like, I know people, many of them are not politically aligned with me who have said, yeah, no, I mean, I, I probably would have gotten that job if, or I would have been assigned this uh, if I wasn't an older white guy. That's not a controversial thing to say. But like James Patterson says that, or this professor says that, and it's like, keep your head down. Don't say this thing that is transparently true. Because what you cannot do, which I find so bizarre, is that if the push to, and he's not saying, you know, lesser in the way that got Ilya Shapiro uh, mm -hmm. in trouble. Mm -hmm. He's just saying that this is just a fact. I mean, this, there's, there's, you know, you're going to be weighed in a different, if there's like 10 people and, you know, there's four black writers, they might weigh them differently. This is not controversial because this is what people who do that say is happening. They tell you it's happening. What do you this say? This is what we do. What do you say? That's to, fine. What but, do you say to the counter argument mm. that the bias was so strong of both <laughs> just sort of cultural and societal, whatever, or just kind of inside mm -hmm. dealing was so strong before that this is just a, a normal corrective. And in the process of that corrective, mm -hmm. we are going to <laughs> like get rid of some of the lesser qualified, mm -hmm. like white people skating in. So the I, white well, 50, yeah, I, three year old male. Can, yeah, can I give the short, can I give the short answer to that? Yeah, I want Monahan's answer. I know well, you're okay, I, 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 I want to hear, <laughs> hear Katie. You're trying to get me in trouble. Uh, I try to get in more yeah. trouble. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, well, <laughs> let, him, let him go. Let him go. I'll, I'll say not, and then I'll, and I'll cede this uh, uh, to Camille. Um, ooh, what is that? Sorry about that. Oh, that's yes. Um, uh, if you acknowledge all of that stuff, right, that there has been this institutional issue and people have been passed over. Let's just take that as a fact, right? Mm -hmm. My argument vis-a-vis -vis Patterson is that what you're just saying is, is confirming what Patterson says. He's saying that this is true. We're mm -hmm. trying to rectify that. That's it. That's yes. all that he said. And, and, I, and, and when you're saying that, I'm not saying it should happen, it shouldn't happen. I'm just saying that I meet a lot of people that tell me it does happen. And I know a lot of people who say it should happen more. Right. And that's just acknowledging that it exists and not making some sort of value judgment about it. Yeah. And Patterson, of course, has to walk it back and say, and then you get this really snarky, snotty headline that isn't true that says that white people don't get writing jobs. That's yeah. not what he said. He said, yeah, they do. Is it getting harder? Yes. It's the, it's the that, same. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's, no, it's the same as like the cancel culture argument. Like there is no cancel culture. And if there is cancel culture. It's amazing. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's because it's a good thing. And yeah, I'm, it's correct. doing yeah. Jedi handmade way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We got to do video, video, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the actual, the actual, the correct answer here. And, and you're right, Moynihan. That's a good answer. But, but to go further. Here the correct go. answer to that is <laughs> to go further. it's, it's fucking racism. It is racist to discriminate against someone on the basis of their race because 
you have too many of those people here, or you don't want more of those people here, or you don't want that kind of person here, or something happened with someone who looked like them one time, so we can't give you the job this time. It's called racism. It's very straightforward. And it doesn't, I mean, even Kendi acknowledges that it's racism. When Ibram Kendi talks about about, um, anti-racist policies, he says that the only remedy for past racism is future racism. Future, yeah, he says This is his perspective. Yeah. It's deplorable. If you believe this shit, you're a racist. You may say, mm-hmm. I'm an anti-racist. I'm just making up for past racism. No, you're discriminating today against some individual person on the basis of their immutable characteristics. Mm-hmm. And you can find whatever justification you want for it, but it is an egregious <laughs> it's definitionally what it is of yeah. our values. So yes, it's racism, and it, and it should be stopped. And yeah, no I mean, I like person I, should defend I, I, it. I think it's funny, and I like the fact that you're giving Kendi a kind of like gritted teeth because what you're saying is gross. Credit for being honest and saying yes. yes. The answer to to uh, to you know to be anti-racist, you have to be racist, sort of thing, and whatever the the, the phrasing he he used. But you know, when Patterson says that, like the CNN piece is not a news piece. Mm-hmm. It is a news piece, but it goes on to say to make arguments. Of like it found like you know this study found that seventy seven percent of books published were published by white <laughs> men or something it's like that doesn't mean anything doesn't it's, mean it's anything completely meaningless <laughs> and you know and then this thing of like the number of screenwriters and this it's like the, the the point being is that there is a great push to quote unquote rectify that and I am and like even Pat, he's not saying that people that aren't qualified are getting like but it is. Like, here's a good example. Here's a, here's a parallel example. If you have a child in New York City schools and you're trying to get them into a good school and they are a lily white uh, kid of, you know, upper middle class parents who have had all the advantages in life. I'm, ag- I'm adding that, specifically adding that for you. They've had all the advantages in life. Their mm-hmm. parents have money, et cetera. Are they going to have an easier, harder time than they would have 20 years ago? By acknowledging that they would have a harder time than it is 20 years ago, you're acknowledging that people take these things into consideration and that that is true. Now, you can say the emphasis and how true it is, then you can have a debate about that. But to, to like every single parent you know and talk to, and they're all like rock rib liberals, know they're like, yeah, no, 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 I'm probably not going to take this as a white kid from a good neighborhood, like, or a good, quote unquote, good neighborhood of like, you know, I live in Park Slope and, you know, we have- There are no good neighborhoods. They're, they're, they're all terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why I said quote unquote. For 13 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's- I'm just telling you. That's also true. Yeah. <laughs> Read into that what you will. <laughs> but no, but that kind of thing is like, there is- this thing that we want it to exist and then we don't want to acknowledge it or we want to, to punish the person who says, yeah, you know, it seems to be getting harder if you're the old white guy to get a job in X sector because, you know, maybe, as you said, so we're trying to, but, but people do say that, right? They say we're trying to rectify all of these historical injustices. And when they say that, they're acknowledging what James Patterson says is true. One thing that I've always thought about as strange, I don't know if uh, you guys follow the writer Steve Saylor, and I'm not going to do a, uh, <laughs> Jesus. I'm not going to do <laughs> a long disquisition on Steve Saylor. He's a guy who writes for V Dare. Um, <laughs> and other, I follow him. Uh, today. He's like, yeah, you do. 
Yeah, I, you do. I, I absolutely yeah, do, do. And, and always yeah. have. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> of people who are what's going on in Richard Spencer's feed these days. <laughs> Richard Richard Spencer is on Bumble, and he is a political moderate. Dude, I, I don't want to interrupt Matt because you get back to this, but he's 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 a neocon now. <laughs> He's, I'm not joking. I, really? I saw this and I looked into it. Who does he want to bomb? He he's like super pro YouTube. He, he has a NATO. His tweet. He's still in, his Twitter icon is a NATO symbol. Oh dear God! And and he's just like I'm no longer a white nationalist. Yeah, tell that like, to Jezebel. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah Please yeah. please respect my privacy. I'm no longer a white nationalist. Yeah, yeah. Richard no. Spencer says <laughs> yeah. to Jezebel. Yeah. But no. also, you were an adult white nationalist for a long yeah. time, so <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You exercised you exercise particularly poor judgment. For years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, like, not, well, I'm not. In a very prominent way. The, yeah. the possibility that you might not be a great uh, uh, life mate. Like, yeah. It just is very high. Very yeah. high. Yeah. So. So the one thing that I would say, and I'll actually about Steve Saylor. Yeah, you were like, to yeah. Steve keep Taylor. him on the side Your of, favorite of this. Person. Uh, but no, it's if if you were really interested, as people tend to be in that article, right? Right, you're seeing that mm -hmm. article. Like, well, actually, the percentage of white males who do this is this. If you're going to start like rocking that demographic check on everything, every aspect. Well, of life, that's what happens. Yeah. Op-ed pages, right? Which is which are historically hugely male. So same with the opinion journalism uh, magazines. Very male, very white, traditionally. Uh, like cable news uh, uh, viewers, old, right? Tend to be white, MSNBC a little bit less so. Um, like if you are obsessed with demographics on that level, um, you're going to get to some weird places in your life, regardless of your motivations going in. You're just going to start like noticing patterns. Um, like on one level, it is kind of interesting, right? Like, it's, oh, why are there so this many? Is, by the way, there's a lot of white people in the CNN leadership. <laughs> Of course, <laughs> hmm. and like a lot of white people who are managers of baseball teams or football uh, mm -hmm. teams or coaches of football teams and and less or so basketball now. But like, it's interesting. Why are so many like sprinters from this part of Africa and long distance run runners from that part of Africa? And then you sort of like at some point, go like, what am I fucking doing? Yeah. What am I doing? And I will say that on like if you if someone has a gun to your head and you're like, hey, you have to bet everything you own on the Boston Marathon, pick a country. I'm just saying Ethiopia, Ethiopia. every time. I'm just e like, yeah, Ethiopia. I mean, like, listen, I don't know what's happening there, <laughs> but just fucking Ethiopia. Steve Saylor has a theory. And oh, of course he does. And he might well be right about I that theory. No um, he's like, uh, actually, he's interesting, regardless of if you find him odious or not. Um, but like. That gets me ultimately to the Camille position, which I've been resisting for so long, and don't, I will still like try. Don't try fight I know. It, just give it. I know. I know. I know. I, can't, I just can't relax the muscle. You, know, you should know by now. Uh, no, but like, like there's something just fucking unhealthy about it. Like it's kind of demographically interesting. It's always interesting if you know X number of people in this profession happen to be of of Italian American descendant or whatever or irish um or just like whatever clusters they're interesting they're hey, fun you're like the head of the party <laughs> <laughs> hey well you're like a sister yeah. i mean virginia posterell who substack everyone should go uh, uh subscribe to because she's does new. she subscribe to our substack yeah you know what yeah. legacy legacy yeah. Yeah. um she wrote in a way that was really fascinating to me 25 years ago about why the people who run nail salons in southern california are vietnamese 
Chinese, like mm-hmm. clustering of nationalities in things. Because of communism, by the way. <laughs> Mostly. That's, that's the short answer. Because yeah. of communism. It's fascinating, but also it totally fucking has limitations. Like it's fascinating as a cultural feeder concentration exercise, but it's really easy to go from there to like, oh, well, people from this like cluster have immutable characteristics that are bad and terrible and should be avoided. Um, And like that should worry you. Uh, It should worry the journalist at CNN who like wants to talk about 77% of whoever's are from this group. Like, do you want to go in that direction? Do you want to use that metric everywhere, everywhere? Do you want to use that metric for people who are um, uh, scalping tickets outside of a sporting event? That's racist, by the way, but okay. Super racist. (laughs) Totally true. (laughs) Tony Pierce once pointed this out to me. Like, is there anyone scalping tickets outside the sporting event who isn't black? He's... Tony, he, Pierce. Tony Pierce is black, by the way. Just yeah, yeah. So, you yeah. wouldn't notice by looking at him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. he self-identifies, unlike yeah. Camille, <laughs> so as black. Yeah. And like, who knows? Like, it's an interesting cultural question. Now, I was actually saying the word scalp is, is, is racist. Well, that's it's racist natives, in a different way. Natives. But like, fuck, man. Like, <laughs> you just added a bunch of racism, <laughs> which is actually pretty interesting. <laughs> it's totally true. It's yeah. 100% yeah, true. Yeah, I was like, I was just Except my dad. My dad, the was, word scalp. my dad was out there scalping yeah. tickets always, too, because yeah. why not? But I did um, tell the story at the, when we were at Yankee Stadium and the and the Hispanic, I think Hispanic cop was getting in that argument with the black guy who's, who was scalping tickets. And he was like, this is racism. And he's like, you know, people are getting tired of this. <laughs> which I was like, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I just think I think that that more than anything is that that the the kind of climate of discussing something as boring and obvious as what James Patterson said is um, depressing. I just think it's depressing that that you know you can just be like, hey, and he has to apologize and be like, I didn't mean. It's like that's up to you. That's your fault if you didn't understand what he was this saying. Debate don't, should have been don't. about why, not about if. Yeah, I mean, and also like th- there's there is going to be disparities in lots of things. To, for lots of reasons, yeah. For lots of reasons, and and to point out that there is a push towards correcting that, which is ex- which is pretty much what he said. It might, he might have said it inartfully, but we seem to be a, a culture that is very interested in in punishing everybody for inartful speech. Yes, because most people are pretty inartful when they speak English. Because I. Listen to them all day. Although, although his yeah. cr- his crime wasn't being inartful. It's 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 you're saying you're saying the thing that is uh, that is foreboden. You're not allowed to say this. You're not allowed yeah, yeah, to that's, call that's, attention that's, to this. That's 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 true. That is right. Yeah. That's yeah, that's yeah. the actual truth, and it's bullshit. Yeah. Um, and 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 the thing about like that young man um, who stood up and asked the question of of John and Glenn and and John and Glenn, I I I adore them. Like I think they're they're brilliant. They're brave and courageous. Um, and they're usually right about many things, um, but they, their advice to him was wrong in my estimation. Mm-hmm. Um, it is certainly the case that you know, if, if someone wants to live a life where their goal is to simply preserve their life at any cost, to preserve their career and their sort of personal well-being in any circumstance, um, because and, and they want to be motivated and driven by fear. That's it. Mm-hmm. Fine. Yeah. Just shut up and don't say anything. But compromise costs you something and not every compromise is fucking worth it. And I don't think as a professional in an academy, staying silent and never saying what you actually think for fear that you will be punished and sanctioned by the institutions or your coworkers 
is appropriate, noble, or healthy. Quit. Find something yeah. new to do or find your testicles. And by that, I don't mean say offensive things and get fired for it. I mean, figure out how to say the thing that you think is important and valuable in that context. Figure out how to live up to your standards in that environment and have some damn integrity. You will be healthier and happier for it. And also, if this matters, if, if your values are actually worth any fucking thing whatsoever, and it seems that they are because you, you know, paid to go to heterodox, you took some time off, you're not with your family, you're not doing something else you love because you think it's important for there to be viewpoint diversity on campuses, and I think that's important, then I would say to you, be brave, call bullshit. That is the right advice. And that means, again, figure out how to do it in a sophisticated way. Don't, uh, I think the, the default position being, don't say anything, you'll get in trouble, is wrong. It's, I think it's wrong how too, do yeah. I say this appropriately? How mm. do I have some influence in this context? How might I persuade these people that I have a point with merit? And in addition to that, there's one other thing that I would suggest. Be excellent. Be indispensable. <laughs> and also realize that I think this is much easier now uh, to realize that there, um, I think it's a bit of an overstatement to use this phrase, but it, there's a support network in the sense that you yes. know, you're not alone in doing this anymore. And people will back you up and people and, will say, look, may, man, you're just saying something. Yeah. 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 You may not have your life destroyed. But you know, the, the thing about it is, is that what we've lost by. And again, I, I agree with you, Camille, in the sense that I, just, you know, John and Glenn are, are remarkable people. I love listening to them, even when I disagree with them. And they're two brilliant people. Is that I think they are like you. I think they're wrong about this because, you know, we are in a, I don't know if we're in this era. I don't know even how to f phrase it, but we should be in a place where the exploration of ideas is not you know, frowned upon and you should be dissuaded from it. So in the, I mean, the great thing about this podcast is that I don't worry about people blowing my life up because most of the time I'm fairly clear as we, as we all are, that we're just the difference between, you know, having a podcast, not having a podcast is not, I'm not on MSNBC, you're not on MSNBC or, or, or Fox saying, these are the political views you should have. This is what is right about this, this is what is wrong about this. I mean, you get into those you know, places when you feel pretty assured about things. But the point of it is to work out ideas. And I, I leave this podcast and I'll go home, get on the subway, drive, whatever it might be, and just be like, mm, I don't know, actually, maybe that was wrong. Mm. And kind of look into it and read some stuff. And, you know, sometimes you don't revisit it because you got so many new things to deal with the next time you're on. But the, the, the place for exploration, people say, well, that's what a university is for. That's why you should be able to... Guys, no, that's what life is for. It's not universities. It's mm. everywhere. You should be able to fuck up. You should be able to have opinions that you maybe change. Now, the Richard Spencer of the world, hey, I'm sorry, I question you. <laughs> you were a Nazi last week, and now all of a sudden, you know, you're the sort of secretary general of the local NATO chapter. That's a bit weird. But <laughs> that is the the thing that I think people fear most is being misunderstood in, or being James Patterson running out and saying, you know, I'm sorry for this. Like it happens 
everywhere. If you don't think it does happen, if you want to say like cancel culture is a stupid word, I agree with you. But like, you know, we traded a story the other day about uh, Lizzo. Oh, it's apparently mm. some sort of flute player. Um, <laughs> not not so sure what she does. But Lizzo said, um, she had a song where she said the word spaz. I think the song Not the place girl, in Seattle. G-R-R-L, girl. Yeah, G-R, which is, I, I don't know if she knows if that's misspelled. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give her a call and say, there's an I in it's there. Helpful. No, that's, um, that's not misspelled. The word is girl. Yes, girl. girl. Yeah, hey, girl. Yeah. That's yeah. the word. Well, yeah. I, from what I know about her, she makes a lot of shows about the the big girls, is what she calls yes. them. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. all right, cool. That's what I'm going to do. Fine. I think this, um, is the show called Watch Out for the Big Girls? It sounds a bit threatening, by Maybe. the way. Watch out for them. Well, this song, the song "Girls," is about um, assaulting someone. You is see it? them, yeah. It's about a fight. Like she sees a girl at a party, and like, yeah, I'm where my girls. I want my girls to be here so that we can assault this person. That's I'm gonna. Wait, that's the, but wait. So this is the one she apologized because she used the word "spaz" and yeah. she changed the lyrics. She did. She changed what did she change the lyric too? I don't know. Something song, about white people. Ode, ode to gang to 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 gang to groups of. To group violence. I was going to okay, say so gang he, violence, he, but I don't mean like bloods and crips. I just mean we're ganging up on you and fighting you. I don't, is there a okay, better so, word for that? But, but Camille, you're, you're sure that the, 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 the song Girls, Girl, which is said like fucking <laughs> Tony the Tiger, three R's in it, great, <laughs> is that's the one she was offensive, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I haven't heard the song. So she said, um, uh, do, do you see, this is like the third uh, lyric, do you see this shit? I'm a spaz, which yeah. is yeah. spasticated, like you're a spaz. And, and, and people from the spaz community were very, <laughs> were very upset about this. I don't even know what that is, you know? I didn't even think of this stuff. This is a, that's so, ableist. That's able. I think, well, okay, it's ableist. I'm, 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 let me be one of the <laughs> things I think about on the way home. You were spazzing before, but now yeah. you're deciding to spaz, which is ableist. Yes. Yeah. That's ableist. Um, yeah. So, uh, but I just, this is the first time, this is real time uh -oh. uh, analysis. The, Are you I want to say. The, you're going to read the lyrics? Fuck yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I need so, you to sing the lyrics, Moynihan. Well, I don't know the, the melody of the song, but I'm sure it's amazing. I'm sure she's playing a that. flute in it somewhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but girls, so let's find other things that she'd apologize for because the first the first lyric is is bitches. Uh, uh. Bitches. Uh, uh. Two times. So I think that's really offensive to women. Okay? I yeah. yeah. That's bitches. I didn't call women bitches. That's horrible. <laughs> um, and then some down here, I just... Um, what, what did, she got to fight, fight somebody. Right? Yeah, but that's don't skip say. this. Because she, she says, hold my bag, bitch. Hold my bag, bitch. Girls. Right. Isn't, isn't then, hold yeah, ableist? Hold yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, some, some people can't hold anything. hands or something to hold They can't the even hold a thought because they're <laughs> spastic. Um, so so I'm, I'm about to knock somebody out, girls. That's parenthetical. Yeah, Yo, yeah. we're my best friend. Wait, wait. I, but about, you missed the line, though, Moynihan. She said, do what? you see this shit? I'm, I'm a spaz. spaz. Yeah, yeah. Have, no. In order to see, you must have sight. Also yeah. ableist. Super see? ableist. Yeah. Like fighting is ableist because there's <laughs> people true. who can't fight. They're in wheelchairs. Um, <laughs> we should get Ben Dreyfus on to talk oh about that. God. But I'm going to skip <laughs> down because that's my girl. We codependent. If she with it, then I'm with wow. it. Yeah, She's we tussle. Mind your business. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's what's uh, really sad. A, the sexism of bitches at the beginning is pretty bad. It's pretty yeah. bad. 
Yeah, yeah. Hey, come on, man. It's pretty bad. But here's it's it, this is worse. The Let me take mutilation. these earrings off and hit the boozy ratchet with my friends. I don't know what that means. Whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whop that hoe. And then I'm a I'ma go Lorena Bobbitt on him what? so he never fuck again. Yes. Lizzo! She's gonna cut off a man's dick? Watch out for the big girls, they're gonna cut it off. <laughs> but don't say spaz. Don't say spaz, but I'm going to lacerate your penis. You got me to yeah. cut it off. Well, that's that's the thing. Yeah, he's well, by the way, so Lorena he, Bobbitt was recast fairly recently as a feminist hero. In, in, fa- in, in fairness, I her mean, husband seemed like a piece of shit. But um she did throw it like in the woods or something. Right? She got it off and threw it like out the yeah. car window. He got, it back. He, got it back. he got it back. And then he yeah. became a porn star. Yeah. Well. He did. Yeah. A, he did a porn like called Frankenpenis or something. I mean, but Camille was is questioning the star. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he's, a porn, yeah. he's a porn actor. He was an actor. He was a, his <laughs> yeah. star is maybe a little yeah. a, little, a little strong. Um, but I love the I love that um the um everybody's decided that all, everybody in the media has decided that Spaz, <laughs> um, not to be confused with the great metropolis of Chaz in <laughs> Seattle, um, is offensive. And here's why. So the New York Post, by the way, put a dash in it. So it's SP dash Z. What the fuck, New York Post? But it's like everything's fucking Wordle. You got to like figure <laughs> out what, what it means. Like, I don't know what the fuck that is. Like, suppose? Suppose. And so everyone's decided. So here are the two. I just Googled this very quickly. Oh, and no. the first two headlines, Entertainment Weekly and The Washington Post, both have very similar headlines. Lizzo changed girls' lyrics to eliminate ableist slur. They've decided that's what it is. Washington Post. Lizzo apologized, re-releases girls after using ableist slur. Spaz. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spaz. Spastic. Yeah. Spaz. Spaz, spaz. Is now an ableist. Yeah. yeah. Slur. Spastic. Cut off, cut off a dude's dick. That's the best. That's the best. She re-recorded <laughs> and put another line in there about cutting your balls off because they loved it so much the first time around. This is kind of fucking crazy. And I love the NPR, but this is great. The NPR headline <laughs> adds something um, because it's NPR <laughs> and it's fucking amazing. This is the headline of the NPR story about this just really just very important story about the flute lady who says ableist language in Lizzo's new song sparks discussion about ableism, comma, anti-blackness. What? <laughs> what? Wait, what? What? Are you what? 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 She cut the dick off and called you a spaz. I'm Seriously, what are you talking about? She cut the dick off and then called the spaz. Oh, that's black culture. This that's black culture is being insulted. Fuck? Others, I love when you use them, but the, my favorite fucking <laughs> cheat in media is using the word community <laughs> as if like everybody agrees on something. Others, especially those within the disability community, not the disabled community, disability community disability? expressed mm-hmm. concern about her use of the word, quote, spaz, which many consi- consider an ableist slur. Well, in the headline, you said ev- everyone does because you said it's ableist <laughs> in the headline. So you consider that. And I'm trying to find the anti-blackness angle. This is not going to last. Black disabled activist. No. Melissa Thompson, LMSW. What does that mean? Wait. LMSW? LMSW. It says black disabled activist, Melissa Thompson, comma, LMSW, comma. Is this a new acronym? I don't know. Licensed Masters Social Worker? What? 
Like, Does she mean, want to put her golf handicap in there too? Like, what else do we need to know about this woman? Like, what the fuck? Like, here's what my degree is in, dude. What? Had first seen discussions online. Of course, she had first seen discussions online about the slur in Lizzo's song over the weekend, particularly from disabled white people in the U.S. and the U.K. What? How does she know? She's on like Reddit, and she's like, look at all these white. Like, do they? What is going on? Black people in the U.S. and U.K. also pointed out how the word, which some say is part of African-American vernacular English, A-A-V-E, is used differently in their countries. What? So, no, it's not about, among all these, this is like <sighs> literally an insane article for insane people. Is insane a slur? <laughs> I don't mean, yes. To, yes, I don't mean to say that people who are insane- we got letters are insane but it's just kind of the language that we use because this is oh america and i've always talked that way um i'm sorry i've been drinking oh rosé for a very long time good rosé too i had my first drink today at 10 30 a.m just for the record um that's true uh, among all the discussions however uh thompson noticed it was dominated by white disabled people who were calling out the singer she wished there was an amplica- amplification of black disabled people what the who, fuck i don't understand what's happening but who understand the nuances of those who use the word in her those who were reclaiming it so lizzo what? was reclaiming spaz <laughs> but i thought you had to be a spaz to reclaim it right but did, like white people can't it reclaim it she abandoned it. She changed the lyrics. Yeah. The yeah. erasure of black disabled people when it comes to a black entertainer has been very prominent throughout this whole thing. And the evidence of this is she was on the internet and she saw a couple people talking about it and she presumed that they were white. Oh my God. <laughs> you people are fucking spazzes. I'm sorry, but like, <sighs> so, this is crazy. If so, like, just thinking about the reclaiming. So who are the people who are spazzes? I don't, are, I don't right. even know what it means. Like, honestly, it's like spastic, I guess. I, I think it what? means, but, oh, it wow. just you, me, but it just means like you guys didn't grow spasm. with this. It means no, muscle. No, no, I, oh shit. Well, like, no, you didn't I call grew, people spazzes? Well, yeah, but I never thought about it and I haven't thought about it now. And I'm like old. I never like, what is that? Mean? <laughs> what is the, what, who am I offending by this? It's like nobody, because I'm calling my fucking loser friend that who's not technically a spaz. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, but maybe acting like one. I don't know. Um, I, I should say that I grew up with a guy. Uh, oh my god, this this piece. I'm sorry. One more. Can I, can I, yeah, I, I want to get to your ahead, friend. Ahead, ahead. In reading the discussions online, this is all based on a woman saying she read things online. There's no evidence. It's like in reading the discussions online, she said she noticed it perpetuated anti-blackness in misogynoir. I'm sorry. What? That is a dislike of black <laughs> women. <laughs> I'm sorry, misogynoir. Lizzo oh says God. spaz, in, in and this is causing misogynoir to have so, mis- so apparently this woman's pro spaz because she's like, oh, they're just reclaiming it, and to to criticize it is misogynoir, which seems like a very complicated word for a pretty simple concept. But uh, she she noted that rather than fostering, uh, fostering an open dialogue about ableist language and engaging in a conversation with Lizzo about it, the critiques piled on and missed the mark. This is from NPR, by the way. And by the way, that's not a bad point, that there's no nuance in the conversation about something like that. That's true. That's a good point. But she's saying the new, <laughs> there's no nuance because... The disabled people are white and they hate black disabled. I don't know. It's very, so, com- I'm reading it now. It's very complicated. If we're going to have a, an idea about reclaiming the Dude, word. Dude, this, lo- this, this piece is like 5,000 words. Sorry. Spaz 
then we have to define the spastic community in yes. a literal way that no one. But has I don't ever, know who they are. Has well, ever contemplated? The article refers to the disabled community instead. It's not disabled. Right. Spas- what, what is it? Spasm. Spasm is your muscles are involuntarily twitching. Yeah, I suppose okay. there's, that, there must be there are some. You're in neuro, a wheelchair. You're paralyzed. Conditions you're not. A, that, you're an anti-spaz. If you're there in are a neurological conditions that could result in that sort of involuntary spasming. But it's a small group of people. Lizzo yeah. uh, did, did respond, and at one point, uh, and it was, it was. I think Hitchens that once said, that "If anyone ever starts a question to you, like at a question anything as a, just stop listening." And uh, it says, "As a fat black woman in America," oh, no. and then uh, I don't. It's <laughs> that she's had people say nasty things about her, which I'm sure is true. And um, so she doesn't want. She's going to go back to the studio, and she did re-record it. Um, and I love the language of this person who wrote this because they haven't been conditioned to write as a journalist. They still write as a student activist. So like, this is a news story in, in NPR, on NPR's website. And it says, having done, this is the writer. This is not a quote. Having done work in black progressive spaces, comma, what? Thompson, like this is a, the language of, of a very small group of people. And this is national public radio that one would presume is supposed to be talking to everybody but i imagine they're trying to recondition you to think that these sentences actually mean something grace and room for correction are typically not given to black people what you know in these kind of cancellations they're really not given (laughs) to anyone it's a statistical fact fact. the double (laughs) standard of inconsistent reactions is profound what they don't trust black people to do the right thing who's they and and i don't know the four people (laughs) the four people she came across on 8chan uh in in the spaz community trying to reclaim that is literally the last line of the thing it's like that is the most that is the fakest news i've ever seen oh my god holy shit they got in touch with somebody who was on the internet and said you know i saw some people on the internet and this is a news story. Too many were whites. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but that's pretty serious. I grew up with a guy who... Uh, this person's only their second story at NPR, by the way. Was hyperactive, all elbows and knees, and also like the most brilliant math student that the city of Long Beach has ever produced. And um, best friend, uh, lived around the corner. Total um, and, his la- and his last name? Was, <laughs> his last name was Blaznek. <laughs> what do you think we still call Mr. Blaznek after all of these fucking years? Now he's like a full grown man. He's all strong and thick. But back then he was like skinny and he was actually kind of weird physically. Um, holy cow. We called him fucking spaz. And mm-hmm. we, because he was the writer of this piece, by the way, um, was uh, recently left her. Uh, well, no, she's still uh, the. Director of Advocacy at the Asian Americans with Disabilities Initiative. Um, oh, did you, could you post and, that link so I can follow this person on Twitter? And uh, <laughs> no, she's a digital news inter. Well, look, I shouldn't. You know, by the way, I knew she was young, obviously. Yeah. Um, because old people don't write like that. We should hire but, her. Um, Let's hire her. But I want to give her. I want to. I want to. I want to. DEI partners. I want to back her. I want to back off her a little bit because she is a digital news intern oh. at NPR through the American Association of People with Disabilities. Oh, wow. which is hater. Um, kind of weirdly ghettoizing when you say, "Well, you're disabled." It's, it's that you also racist write. now. I don't. What well, that's doing. not racist, is it? The existence of the word ghetto, ghettoizing. Yes. 
Balkanizing? Is that, is that uh, racist also, against people of the Balkans? I mean, except that we should be racist against the people. I mean, can yeah, we well, just can we just Serbs. accept that every single word is offensive, especially when uttered by a cis cisgendered white man? I know. You guys in particular. I, I, I'm no, so glad no that I didn't go on on Twitter and chime in on the Lizzo affair. Uh, <laughs> but I'm glad she went back to the studio. What did she change the words to? You have, you have the. She changed it to something about cutting off more dicks. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> totally fine. If bitches are cutting off dicks, we're good. Yeah. I mean, amen. If anyone is, is spaz, that's, very, <laughs> that's racist. Lizzo, by America. the way, Lizzo is starting a bad, crappy trend. Because in a lot of music, I mean, I, I spent the, this morning um, drinking. With an old, well, I was uh, drinking, but in between that, I was chatting with my old uh, my old friend uh, from high school, Dave, who's a great guy, and he was sending me um, old hip hop songs that we used to like. One of which was uh, the forgotten about Boss. Do you remember Boss, Camille? Yeah, Boss. Yeah. So uh, Dave and I. And if we were to like rewrite the lyrics to every hip hop song, because like you know, like Bell and Sebastian songs, you don't really have to write the rewrite lyrics. Yeah. Boss is boss song. is that woman? She did she did deeper, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Deeper, deeper, deeper. That's that's what the hook. I do? Yeah, 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 that's, that's a, it's a great. <laughs> yeah, it's not no, it's a sample of um of uh, what's his name. Um, not Teddy Pendergrass, but uh, um, the guy um, that was on South Park, big big guy. Isaac Hayes. Isaac Hayes. It's Isaac Hayes. Yeah. Um, Chocolate balls. Yeah, that's a that's a fucking great song. But uh, anyway, so we should. I want people because um, you guys sent us some of the craziest emails of all time. I want you to find. I want you to rewrite the lyrics to some other songs. No, that that's not Isaac Hayes, man. It, I think it is Isaac Hayes. No, it's not. It? Deeper Park? and deeper. In love with you. Well, I'm falling. Eager and eager. I, by the way, it falling. might not be. Isaac um, Hayes was South Park. He was not, the chef. No, 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 no. I might be wrong. Um, but no, no, what I, they did, I think it slowed I'm down. Having that, maybe like a brain fart. Hold on. Let's um, figure this out. I don't know. Yeah, because it's a, we're talking about boss now. Um, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, oh, oh my God. It's, it's Barry, Barry White. White. Yeah, it's Barry White. Yeah. yeah, deeper and deeper. Yeah. Barry White. Yeah, it's from I'm going to love you just a little more, baby. Yeah. Which is kind of a threat. <laughs> It's like like all seventy songs. Uh, it's a great. It's a great song. Yeah, it's, it's a, a great it song. Real, yeah, it also samples um, the boss song. Also samples "Under the Bridge" by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Apparently. So hmm. anyway, um, all right, nope. let's, we should we should probably Fuck go. But wait, 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 wait. Oh yeah, no, there's no, one, no! There's one more. There's one more thing. There's one more thing. Oh no! Oh, there's no. one more thing, and I don't think. I mean, we can't really do it justice like the justice that it deserves. But I, I just want to flag Roy Wood Jr. Um, at oh, Comedy shit, Central right. yeah, yeah, yeah. for his gentrification of Brooklyn peace. Um, you should you should find this, listeners, and, and just watch it. This is Comedy Central doing the Great Replacement Theory. According to the latest census, the white population is decreasing nationwide. For the first time, the white population in the United States has declined. But there's one place their numbers are up almost 9%, Brooklyn. This wealthy white migration has led to increases in rent, cost of living, and requests to speak to the manager. So I followed a trail of succulents and Wes Anderson DVDs deep into the den of gentrifying Brooklyn, where I sat down with Tommy Holly. The white population is going up almost 9%. The black population has gone down almost 9%. Would it be safe to say that that's how they're showing Black Lives Matter? 
by just moving them out to somewhere else. The entire segment is about white people living in Brooklyn, how they, they don't belong there, how they're destroying the culture, how they're taking everything away. At some point, he's even confronting random white people on the street, handing them a flyer, um, which details the various things that they can do and the things that they can't do. And by the end of the piece, he's sitting across from an older gentleman who says that he has a home that he bought for a few thousand dollars that he could sell now for $3 million. This yeah. gentleman seems perfectly content with that situation. He's going to take the money and leave. Um, and <laughs> you mean exploit fucking dumb rich white people <laughs> and get some crappy place in bedside for $3 million. He's Great. Leave. Good for him. Good he for actually him. has to, to remind the guy that this is a segment about gentrification. But is it enough to stop the erosion of this historic community and hold on to legacy residents like Tommy? I'm going to Florida. You on the floor? I'm tired of the snow. I'm tired of shoveling the snow. I'm tired of the leaves. Are you tired of racism? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, who's going to answer that? Like, no, I'm not sick of that yet. Yeah. I'm kind of pretty cool with that at the moment. He knows. You, you he sent knows that? And by the way, you sent that, and this is totally 100% true, and this shows you that gentrification, quote-unquote gentrification, is something that happens from rich people who are white and who are black and everybody can gentrify and oh, rich yeah. people can move in neighbors. I got out of my car in Bedstuy. Yeah. And I got out and I turned around and I was getting something out of the, the, the trunk and there's one person on the block and it was Wyatt Senek, the guy who was a daily show correspondent and had a show on HBO until recently that was terrible. But um, not a guy that doesn't have a ton of money and a lot of, uh, you know, uh, missed opportunities. I mean, he's a guy who's I know who he is because he's well known. And he was walking through a neighborhood that was featured in Do the Right Thing as like a, you know, a sort of, you know, the boiling point of the Italian people and they're like selling pizza and everything. But the gentrification thing is hilarious because they talk about this stuff like it's so condescending. And be to say like, oh, you know, they've all all these like fancy shops. I was this morning in a shop in Bedsty in a coffee shop, which is like a fancy, fancy ass coffee shop. I complain about the prices all the time. I again, no joke. I was the only white person in there. Everyone's buying their coffee. It's like, why do you think black people don't like coffee? Yeah, or or like, nice, what are you or talking nice about? new, nice new or, shops, fancy nice shops. new shops. They're, they're, they're like all, like they love all it. this. They love it. There's people like everywhere. It's super integrated and mixed, and and you know, there's a lot of problems in the neighborhood still, but it's not. Yeah, those 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 costs are really high on these places. But let me ask this fucking idiot a question. And all of you people who are like, well, I get what he's saying. Don't fucking get what he's saying. Find a neighborhood <laughs> in New York. It looks the same as it did 20 years previous, 30 years previous, yeah. 50 years previous. You're like, oh, that used to be an Italian neighborhood. Yeah, you know, Williamsburg used to be a Puerto Rican neighborhood. You know, the, a lot of Polish people get it moving out and selling their places in, in Greenpoint. I mean, these this is just what happens in life. In Immigrants cities. come in cities. It's so there's a thing on the New York, um, I think the New York Public Library website where you can look up blocks on and they have photos from, you know, way back. Look at a block and the people are like, oh, this the shop closed. Look at a block in any block from New York City in 1930, 1940, 1950, 1960s. Not a single shop is the same. Not one. Mm. Like every one of those, do we have to lament? 
every one of those is a sign of change. Yeah, only, it is a sign only, of change. Only if it's a different change is good. Only if the new shop owner is of a different race. That's well, when you. That's well, when you, you know, have to bemoan it. Well, you know what happens as when long you as get, you're not Tucker Carlson. It's fine, apparently. Well, Tucker Carlson is to blame for what happened in Buffalo. Obviously, we know that. But let's talk about people who are bl to blame for for um, pointing these things out in a violent way, because it was Al Sharpton that pointed out that the Jewish interlopers had taken over in black neighborhoods, and Freddie's mm. Fashion Mart was burned to the ground, and the owner, I think, of that store or another store was killed, killed as a Jewish interloper. And I think that he might've even used the word Jewish or maybe talked around it. But there was, at that time, there were the interlopers was a, was a phrase that was used quite, quite frequently. And that Freddie's, I think it was Freddie Fashion Mart that was burned to the ground because it was like not the correct race selling things to people in the neighborhood. Which is a common theme in Los Angeles where I'm yeah. from, right? Like, uh, oh, South Central now has too many uh, Latinos. That's bad inherently we're not sure why uh even though south central is where my grandparents moved to because there's a lot of world war ii jobs my grandparents not either latino or african-american uh conventionally understood um uh no it's it, we got an, uh didn't get an email but uh the a slack communication from someone um who i can't name uh, because uh he didn't give me permission but is a listener um and um who bought in Stuyvesant Heights, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is uh, which is right where I parked my car today, by the way. Which is like it's a bullshit, like a you it's know fake, yeah, yeah. It's outer Bedstuy, close to Brownsville, yeah. And they have like some nice four story houses. He bought there like fifteen years ago. Lived there for a while now. Doesn't, um, but still owns. Um, and uh, and just sort of jogged him with like, oh, you know, hey, what do you think about this uh, documentary here? And I'm going to read this in its entirety without. Um, uh, identifying the person um, who we all know who he is. Uh, fuck that noise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that yeah. was filmed about a mile from where my family and I lived from 2008 to 2015. <clears throat> my wife uh, and I had to smile and say hello to many of our non-white neighbors for two years before they'd so much as grunt at us. Dude. Well, pretty, pretty racist here. There, a guy so much racism. <laughs> a guy once saw me on my stoop and shouted, black people, stop selling your property to white folk. Yeah. Uh, another shout. Making a ton of money. Another stop shouted, money. too many crackers in the block making me nervous. Mm -hmm. And I should say that this person who's sending this is not uh, who we would uh, normally describe as racism, despite his very many uh, problems where he's from. I also had uh, more than one uh, friendly neighbor tell me they were thrilled to have us whitey mm. in the neighborhood because there was finally good groceries and restaurants and as much as redlining was bullshit <laughs> selling your house for a two million dollar profit is as close to reparation as that man's gonna get and let's not pretend he'd stay in bed if it weren't for all the racist crackers yeah Stevenson heights is is where my i mean some old, my old neighborhood yeah yeah there's not a lot of like, restaurants there, by the way. Um, this is fascinating, by the way. And we, I know we have to go, but this is amazing. Uh, I looked it up. It is Freddy's Fashion Mart. This is a story from the Washington Post. The byline, December 14th, 1995. Mm. Malcolm, Glad Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, hey. New York, December 13th. I'm going to read you the first two paragraphs, but I'm going to excise one word because I can't say it. Mm. Uh, 
every day for two weeks, <laughs> every day for two weeks, an embittered band of protesters formed a picket line on 125th Street outside Freddy's Fashion Mart clothing store, one of Harlem's largest Jewish-owned businesses, shouting, kill the Jew bastards and burn down the Jew store in this block for beep only, not whites and Jews allowed. No whites and Jews allowed. The demonstrators vehemently challenged Freddie's plan to expand into a black-owned black business sex store. The Reverend, Reverend Al Sharpen called the owner of the store a, quote, white interloper. Demonstrators have harassed store employees and customers, mm. and on one occasion, a protester made the motion of striking a match and tossing the store. And now move down to the, the what actually happened. Uh, but last Friday morning, the threats became real when one of, one of the pickets, 51-year-old Roland Smith, opened fire with a gun and then torched the store, killing himself and seven other people. Holy mm. shit. His deed turned the abstract soul-searching that usually accompanies uh, outbursts of bigotry here into a painful and divisive round of racial and ethnic finger-pointing. So... That is a different type of protesting gentrification, which uh, turns into a very vicious form of anti-Semitism and ends up with eight people dead uh, after Reverend Al Sharpton was in front of the store calling the, the owner a white interloper and people saying no Jews in the neighborhood. Ay, ay, ay. I mean, maybe have some historical memory about these things. Hmm. I mean, it was in the back end sort of recesses of my mind, Freddy's Fashion Mart, but I'm glad that I refreshed that memory. And uh, maybe if you're doing a piece about that for The Daily Show, which, you know, is a comedy show, supposedly. It was. It yeah, was. It was um, among the least funny things I've seen yeah. like, in a while. Maybe have a, maybe have a, like a 30 seconds there to say, but sometimes anti-gentrification protests can go too far. <laughs> and say eight people were killed or seven people were murdered. And I think he, he, um, he maybe killed himself. Yeah. I didn't know it was that many. There's also a, a, a category or a way of looking at this, which is like you live in a city, mm -hmm. a big, like the big city. There's a lot of people from a lot of places. Maybe mm -hmm. chill out about that. Yeah. I mean, there's also a reference in this uh, Malcolm Gladwell piece to uh, Colin Ferguson. Uh, which I remember very well from when I was young, who is the, uh, um, a black gunman who um, on the Long Island Railroad uh, opened fire and killed uh, six white people. And it was a expressly um, racial attack. So this stuff is not new. I mean, this stuff's been around for a long time and it was a lot worse in the past, but we of course are very reluctant to ever acknowledge any progress in these matters. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he was a psycho. But the closest thing you can get is, uh, to like blaming somebody, not, you know, Tucker Carlson has a show when he's talking about an issue and this person kind of thinks about the issue in a similar way of somebody standing in front of the, the store with a bullhorn saying, yeah. this is a white interloper and people are shouting, get the Jews out of our neighborhood. That's a little different. So, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. All right. Well, I don't have any more surprises. So we, we should go now. That was a good one, though. A little bit That's of bonus stuff. Al's really skated on that shit, didn't he? And just got an skated MSNBC a lot. show. Yeah, yeah. He lost that weight, though. Well, you know what they say. What do they say? I don't know. Bye. 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 We, we, we know of new methods of attack. <laughs>